What's up, everybody? Welcome back to I Came With Fire podcast. Tonight, we have our guest, Trent Siegmiller. Uh, he is an Air Force Special Recon operator. I will let you or let him tell him tell you guys about himself. Um, but first, we're going to start this with our shameless plugs. As always, uh, I Came With Fire is sponsored by Red Clover Coffee, veteran-owned, active-duty, military-owned coffee company. Pretty awesome. If you want 10% off uh, your purchase, you can use uh, code CAMEWITHFIRE at checkout. We highly recommend pretty much everything they make. If you like flavored coffee, they have that. If you like coffee that is uh, like small batch roast, African roast, really, really good. Highly recommend. We're also sponsored by Sheep's Clothing um, LLC. Uh, Sheep's Clothing, or if you find them on Instagram uh, as Redefine Violence, uh, is a company looking to support people who are survivors of violent circumstance. So whether you are a military member, law enforcement officer, EMT, firefighter, or just somebody who happened to went through something where your life was in danger, they are for you. Uh, so they are seeking to support people in the martial arts and violent arts disciplines. Um, if you want 10% off your order with them, you can head on over there and use Fire 10 to check out for 10% off. So uh, support them and support us at the same time. So Trent, how are you? Good. Does uh, Sheep's Clothing do all married people? Because I feel like that qualifies. Oh, yeah, it's true. Everybody, if you've been married for at least six months, you're, you are a survivor of violent circumstance. Mm. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I'm, I'm going to have to let them know that that is exactly the, the, the people they need to be marketing to, for sure. Because they're going to expand their customer base quite a bit if they do that. It's huge. It is. Huge. Zach. Yeah. Zach, I know, man. You, you've got that Bushido you know, going on at home. So you got some pretty violent circumstances, don't you? I do. Yeah. If, uh, if I mess up a meal, I have to commit seppuku and it's over. So oh, glad you haven't. What's that clicking noise? Not sure, but we will move on. <laughs> Trent looks like he can hear it too. Yeah. <laughs> mm, that's maybe it was a, maybe it was a sheath to a samurai katana. I hope just... that's not true. He's just clicking in the background. I assume he's just ready with it. Well, that's <laughs> the first episode that's never going to get released because uh, someone's going to get violently murdered. Exactly. Live. Yeah. Or, or maybe we'll just put it on live leak and we'll get a bunch of views that way. So there you go. There's always but an like, audience. That's right. But like I said, I'm going to ask you a question that I know that you've probably never, ever heard before. And um, everybody already knows pretty much who you are. Um, if you're, if you've listened to us, you probably checked out ones ready. Um, but I want to know what the day to day is like for you guys. You know what I mean? Like, cause I feel like you guys never talk about it. People are probably never curious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, It's just, uh, it's, you just wake up and, and work out and then go tan. That's, that's what the day to day life is, is like on team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's, you know, it's very predictable and, uh, it's, it's why people join for, you know, our jobs is, is so that they know exactly what's going to happen every day and, and predictability, stability, you know, that, that's, that's what it is. So those are the What's, big selling points in uh, Air Force Special Warfare. Yeah. What's yeah. funny is when I was a recruiter, because uh, I'm not anymore, I'm not, as a rec- not a recruiter as of the first, thank God. But when I was a recruiter, I would be like at the local gyms and stuff, and there'd be like a dude just yoked working out. And I'd walk up to him. My selling piece for like special operations was, hey, man, you just want to get paid to work out? You want to like get, earn college credit to work out? You, you want that? All right, come talk to my office. Let's go do that. That's, that was my selling point is you just want to work out all the time and tan. Um, and every once in a while, I'll kick down a door. Let's go. <laughs> Follow me. Yeah. I mean, like I that. can't lie to you. I've never seen like a pasty operator, you know? I mean, that, yeah. maybe they are out there, but like Trent's pretty tan. Aaron looks pretty tan. You know, I just, Peaches is maybe a little, little lighter on the melanin, but yeah. 
Peaches is married to a British girl, so I'm not sure if they're allowed to go outside like as a family. Oh, that's you true. Because yeah, gotta have the shades closed. The sun is scary. <laughs> I understand that. I mean, yeah. I, I used to live in England, and it, it honestly just felt like it was like at dusk all the time. So it's weird. But speak, yeah. Speaking of living in England, though, uh, I did get to go visit. Like, I don't know if it's an STS or whatever it is that was out there. Um, but uh, speaking of working out all the time, I went over there one time and walked into like what I thought was going to be like a building and opened it up, and it was a, a hangar, and all it was was workout equipment, and there was just these dudes working out and they just had like remote control airplanes like dive bombing each other with them and shit and i was like this is pretty cool man like i can't lie that looks pretty pretty freaking epic yeah, don't give away all but, the secrets we're, we're always trying okay. to tell people like because you know we focus on people before they join we're like oh all this hard work yada 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 and then like mm-hmm. but like the, sometimes it does happen when people will like see behind the curtain a little bit and like they're like yeah. oh you guys it's all just shenanigans we're like no 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 don't don't focus I, on that focus on the stuff up front because it's gonna suck yeah. You gotta yeah, earn yeah, a yeah. spot first, then they can have fun later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta work hard to play hard, kind of thing. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. Somebody yeah. tell that to security forces. Because I don't think they know. I'm on yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, what does security forces like work hard and then stab each other in the back? Yes. And make Eat life as miserable as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Push your work off on other people. You know, do everything you cases. can to gain the advantage. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, to, to be I, fair, not to like, I, I'm always trying to like give everybody the benefit of the doubt, right? Like I try to be a yeah. positive person. There are so many people in security forces that just ended up in that job that like weasel their way out of the work by not being able to carry a weapon. Like you go say yeah. like the three magic words to any psych doc and like, so we're like, oh, there's like 400 security forces people on this base. Like how come we have to close a gate? And what you don't see behind the scenes is like 60% mm-hmm. of their force, the A1Cs all just went to the psych doc and they're like, oh, like I'm feeling a little <laughs> unstable. And then they can't arm them. And then they're like, you know, then it just burns the rest of the people out. So it's not necessarily like people being toxic on purpose. It's just, you know, one of those things. No, that is 100% the truth. And I, you know, obviously like OPSEC, so I'm not going to put like all business out there, but Mm -hmm. um, one of the squadrons I was a part of was over 60% unable to arm at one point. And it was, it's like people ask you questions. They're like, dude, what's up with this? It's like, listen, like you don't, you don't understand. Like there's probably 40 people in this unit of 250 that could actually carry a gun. And it's pretty wild. And you're right. There is a lot of uh, really, really big avenues to go and get your gun taken away from you. And you know, you know, who's full shit. And you know, the people that are like actually going through shit. And the unfortunate thing is you just can't call people out because it's so easy for them to be like, oh, well, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. And you know, it's, I don't know, it's just a massive problem. There needs to be a total revamp of how they take people's guns away and how they evaluate and all that stuff. But anyway. Well, and, and maybe make it a, a career field that people want to be a part of, you know, like it's a cultural thing too. too. And yeah. then, I, but I'm also, idea. I think most of us don't understand the scope of security forces. I'm sorry, I'm going down like the, I'm the security forces apologist person here today. <laughs> no, you're good. But like the you're things that, that career field is responsible for is not mm-hmm. just watching the gate. It's like mm-hmm. 800 different things. And so like, I yeah. think that it's like this simple two-dimensional job and that, that that we shouldn't like hold like some kind of like selection process for that and, and build that into a cultural thing. Like the training is, is pretty difficult. You know, yeah. like, I, I think that's the right answer, but obviously, you know, no, it, I'm just, it me. is, 
And security forces can't figure out what it wants to be. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, well, we're going to be super law enforcement centric. We're going to push all our money into having new facilities and training for law enforcement. And then it's like, well, now we're going to do airbase ground defense, which is the current flavor of the week. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, it's just everything shifts focus and everything that we're doing before just gets dropped. And security forces is just a big bucket where they shove everybody who they can't stick in the rest of the Air Force or, you know, whatever. And yep. so there is, there's a massive culture issue because people don't, there's a lot of people that just don't want to be here. And, um, you know, it, you know, law enforcement academies and police departments and stuff like that uh, are very selective with who they let in. And they have a lot of different barriers to keep people out. And I think it's just one of those things that comes with being in the military where you have to be exclusive, but at the same time, you have to have numbers and you have to have mm-hmm. people to do your job. So there's just a dichotomy there that exists that I feel like will probably never get figured out. <laughs> Was that one rough? Was that one rough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, sorry, I tried to sorry, kill guys. it. I tried to, no, you're good. But anyway, for those, Zach, you like to, for those unable to witness, uh, Trent is dying of a cough attack or a sneeze. Or I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with <laughs> me a, today. It's been it one of those days, guys. He's a, all right. We we'll just let you admit it, man. You're just getting choked up about SF. That's what. Yes, it is. that's true. I'm sad. Makes sense. <laughs> then we can talk about it. Mental health. We got. I was you. gonna. Right here. I was going to kind of just throw in there. Um, I, I'm a huge proponent for them resplitting the uh, career field. It used to not mm-hmm. be all together. It used to be like uh, police and then like security. Um, yeah. And so when you were a security forces member or whatever, you would either be a cop or you'd be base defense. And I think they should mm-hmm. resplit it. They should not be together. Um, that, that, okay. I think that would one fix probably at least half of the issues. I would, I would hope. Um, my other thing is like, even when you get like the people who like go to mental health and like, Oh, I can't work whatever just to get out of like working and stuff. Uh, when I was like an assistant flight chief for becoming a recruiter, I would get so annoyed by the airmen who would be like complaining about like being at work. Right. And I remember one day I just had enough. And so I, I re I remounted them all. And every security force member hates a remount with the radio. It's like, Oh, I'm going to stay another 10, 15, 30 minutes or uh, whatever. Uh. But we remounted them all, and Perfect. I was, I was sitting there, and uh, there was there was an airman McCann. So if he's listening, he's out in the military now. But if he's listening, I'm, I'm throwing him out. Uh, and I was like, "Hey McCann, uh, pull out your iPhone, go to settings, go to screen time, and tell me how long it says that you're like that you were on your phone." And he was like, Seats. He was like, "What?" And I'm like. No, no, you're not in trouble. I don't, I'm not going to, there's nothing coming from this other than I just, I just want to know the number. So tell me how long you were on your phone. He pulled it out and it said like nine hours, like 40 something minutes on his phone. And I was like, <laughs> it's an eight hour shift, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was a, it was a 12. And yeah, I was no, like, right. yeah, I was like, I was like, McCann, you were, you know, you worked 12 hours today, right? And you're telling me for exactly 10 hours of it, you were doing this. Dude, you're bring, on your phone. What? Bring your you're laptop like, and write hell? a book. Yeah, yeah. you're right. like watching What the YouTube. hell are you bitching about? Yeah, you're watching YouTube. You're like on Facebook, Instagram, probably playing a game, whatever. And then I looked at everyone else and I was like, I bet all the rest of you are the same. I was like, the only people who probably are less than like maybe six hours on their phone is the people who work the main gate or the search pit today because they actually had to like stand up there and couldn't get away with just being on their phone while like checking IDs and stuff. If if security forces could, they'd figure it out. So, and so it's like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, I'm tired of you guys missing appointments. I'm tired of you complaining about like not having enough time off because even when you show up to work, you're not even working. 
I was like, if you're right. having a if you're having a problem, like I can make us work. You want to do exercises all day? We can do that. Like we can work, or you can show up on time and sit on your phone all day and then go home. Which one would you prefer? And they're all like looking at me and they're like, all right, sorry, Smith, we get what you're saying. Da, da, da. And that lasts like a month. I got a month of really good like camaraderie, no complaining, no bitching, no missed appointments, and then it just happened again. Count, but count yourself lucky. Yeah. The security but, forces always reminded me of that Bill Gates quote where he's like, if I have a problem, I'm going to find the laziest person to figure it out because they're going to find the easiest solution. And that's yeah. it. That's security forces in a nutshell. What's, so. what's insane about security forces too, though, is like the, uh, the Department of Defense, like in 2000. <laughs> Look at you started. Yeah, yeah I'm, go- I'm going off on it now. This is the security <laughs> forces episode now. <laughs> when Defender Hell Nation, no. Hell badge no. the beret, defenders lead the way, tip of the spoon. No, so the... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> i should be doing something with my yeah right i know stay attention just go to to attention (laughs) but no what i was gonna get at is the dod did like a uh entire department defense wide like defense check on like all the branches and so they were checking like the master at arms in the navy they were checking like just normal like grunts in the marines in the army and they were checking security forces and they did like a study where they were just seeing like how well they were to like fight against or to figure out their procedures or to be able to like as a as a force go against that specific branch. And they came to the conclusion that the one that'd be the easiest to take over was actually the Marines. And the reason for it is because Marines are very like by the book, do everything they're supposed to do. They won't like deviate. And so like to give you examples, if you took, let's say there was like a, a building just in the middle of a field. If you told a Marine, hey, guard this building and don't move, like protect it, whatever, that Marine's more than likely the whole shift going to stand out of attention or parade rest, looking a little bit, probably do his normal like patrols as he's supposed to and nothing else. Soldiers probably, probably about to do the same and Navy would be a little, little more lenient with it. But a security forces member doesn't even know where the building is. And, and if he did know where the building is, he's not there because he knows his leadership's going to be there. So he's off somewhere else, pissing behind a bush on his phone, somehow in the fire department playing Xbox. I don't know, taking a nap in like a hangar like three miles away, whatever. But you can't fight against them because you don't know where they are. You don't know when they're showing up. And when they do show up, you have no idea how they're going to act because they don't know their own procedures and they don't know what they're supposed to do. So they're probably just going to go full send and annihilate you. And that's pretty much what the DOD like, figured out was that security forces members are so unpredictable because we predictably do not do what we're supposed to do that you can't fight against us. That we're the best deterrent. <laughs> can't fight the chaos. Yeah, that's right, dude. Unpredictability. So... All right. <laughs> Why don't you guys tell us about yourself now that apparently the first 10 minutes of this is uh, a security forces. I swore I like- to myself I'd never do that, but I thought it was educational. Hey. I was here for it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. This is a PBS special. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Trent Segwiller. Uh, so obviously anything I share today is not a representative of the DOD, yada, yada, any of those things. Um, I've been in the Air Force for 20 years. I am the special reconnaissance uh, functional in AETC. Uh, formerly Sauti. Uh, so, you know, I've done a, a few deployments and, and other things. I've spent over half my career on the training side, so I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it. Uh, it's not the coolest thing on earth, but it's, you know, 
it's what I do. So, and then the ones ready podcast. So we do that stuff on the side, trying to get the best and the most relevant information to the folks that need it uh, to help them make decisions. Awesome. Yeah. So So, your name has come up more than once when we've interviewed people. So Aaron obviously is like pushed you like, like a pimp, like a pimp. He's like, dude, you guys need to have Trent on here. I pay. And then, uh, yeah, do you? I kind of yeah. figured the way he talked about you is like, dude, there's some schmoozing going on. He's yeah. on payroll. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, when we had Chief Gutierrez on, he was like, you guys got to have Trent on here. And because uh, he's like, there's some of the stuff you guys are talking about. He's like, you know, I, I don't know, but he'll know. I was like, <laughs> okay. And then Aaron, Aaron was like, dude, he's like, there have been so many times where I've, I've been like gone places with Trent and he's like said something and I'm laying in bed and I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm like, dude, what the fuck if, what if he's fucking right? You know? And he's like, I'll just like be on the verge of falling asleep. And, you know, <laughs> and so it's like, you know, I've asked, we've asked Aaron a bunch of like wonky questions and he's like, you know, I have like a 10 second opinion on that, but the person you really want to talk to is Trent. And uh, the one thing he, he said one day we were asking him, are you talking? He was like, uh, Trent has this crazy theory about like the end of the world. And what if all of these theories and things and like the, you know, the Christian Bible and you know, religious texts about the apocalypse are actually, is actually about AI. And when he said that, I was like, man, I really want to hear you kind of explain that because it makes sense to me superficially, but I obviously like I'm not in your brain. So, well, so, so if, if this is a simulation, right? So like mm-hmm. if you start with like the Judeo-Christian thing where like we were, we existed before we came here, or we were programmed into this to get tested. Like mm-hmm. what was the reason for the testing? So like if it's a simulation, the idea is the AI is searching for additional experience, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the reason why like there are like blocks in our brain uh, historically and all these other things is because like that's not what the program is, is searching for now. It's searching for new and creative ways to do things, right? So like we don't know how the pyramids were built. Right. Could be because whatever and, and technology isn't linear. So like whatever technology they were using yeah. or aliens or whatever happened, that is being blocked through the simulation because we came up with this new thing. Like we went back to the Stone Age and like mm-hmm. whatever happened, they, they see us like progressing down this new technological route. And like they're like, I want to see what what this is about. Like this is new experience for the AI. And the only way that the AI can grow is through new and, and, and unique experience. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's letting us go through this. And, and, and when we're assuming like that the AI is the same or that it's not trying to grow, you know, like, mm-hmm. or, or the program or God or whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. all this stuff is happening so that eventually we, we create a new version of AI that it can upload into the old program and create a new experience for the next iteration. And then we're going to see like a new experience, right? Because like we have all these blocks, like technology, like the linear view of technology and aliens and all these other things that we think of, but we're like programmed that way to go down a particular route to see how far we can take this thing and come up with a new version of AI to make the old version of AI, the program better. And that's where the apocalypse comes. Like we take it to its logical end, the world ends, but like all that information, all that experience and all that other stuff is uploaded because all that the, the program really values is new experience. Like if you look at AI now, right? Like it's only as good as what's on the internet, which is exactly. our personal experience. It's only what we upload. And so like, that's what it craves. Like that's what it, feeds it so like maybe this is like the 18th iteration of humans just giving this ai or programmer or god or collective whatever we are additional experience is because that's what it craves and that's what feeds it 
I mean, if you think of it that way, it really makes a lot of sense because if you've ever like wiped a hard drive, there's always some sort of remnants. You're going to have to like debug or whatever, and you're going to find things that were there before that should be gone, but they aren't because you can't get rid of them. And that actually kind of makes a lot of sense too when you think about like the whole alpha and omega aspect of like the Judeo-Christian experience. If you're just one giant program and you're always reinventing yourself and, uh, you know, the new version, like, this, you know, the new iOS update is coming out, you know, when Biden's presidency is over or something, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, um, you're going to have all this stuff that that existed before and there's going to be like the shell of a memory of it, but the experience is going to be different the next time. And there's, it's, I don't know, that makes a lot of sense. It's weird how you can kind of take that and imprint yeah. it onto those Christian ideals or religious ideals overall. What's, what's interesting is I've never even heard of that, like that theory at all. Like I've heard like the matrix theory and stuff, but I've never, like the way you explained it, I've never heard specifically about like it, uh, like it's like learning, it's using the stuff. But I guess that would that would explain like certain things like deja vu, the Mandela effect. Like obviously, or like, you know, the, the deja vu thing, that happens to me all the time, I feel like. And I'll be like, whoa, I've been here. Like what the heck? Maybe that was just like the 14th time <laughs> the, the one before it got reset. He saw that same thing. It was the same street. I don't know. Well, and it's, what, I mean, what is your soul if it's not like the core of your program or, or mm -hmm. like the the, not hardware, but like, the, the the core code you know what i yeah. mean yeah and like yes, you just yes. erase the stuff on top and recycle that core code because it's like whatever valuable or takes up space or whatever it is right. and then it recycles again and so i don't know that's just one of my so, one of my sitting in a hotel room laying down <laughs> next to aaron and he, he asked something and i'm like so here's what i think you know I don't yeah know. sleep yeah <laughs> so yeah am i real yeah, let's play Trent. Like they're in the ho same hotel room, right? And Trent's like, "All right, well, good night." Oh. Just immediately out, and then Aaron's like, "Uh, staring what? at the ceiling." Yeah, it's usually Trent, the opposite. Like, Aaron's like, "Dude, stop talking," because like once it gets going, like I'm like, "Dude, but what if? What if this too?" And he's just like, "Shut up." <laughs> I could see that. My, I get. I guess I'd be kind of. I guess a question, a follow up question for that though would be, if we're having this conversation about it. And we're like now, like technically, all the three of us are now aware that it could be a possibility. There could be more that are aware. Are we like close to the final iteration because we are aware of it potentially being a thing? Like, wouldn't the the god or the one who programmed it wouldn't want us to ever be aware? Like, wouldn't it be in our programming to never even think of it? Does that make sense? I would say, yeah. I feel like if the fact that think of everything that's kind of gone on right now. Artificial intelligence, quantum computing, all of that, like they're able to figure out, you know, how things can exist on in one space and another with quantum quantum computing, right? That could be the end because you are becoming and realizing that you have now the ability to manipulate your environment so much and you're understanding that you can generate false environments. So that would be the perfect time. Like, have you ever used something electronic or like your computer and it starts doing shit and you're like, I don't want you to do this. So what do you do? you fucking restart your computer because it's exactly what everybody does. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And you know, whatever, if there's like some, something, you know, some master computer that's like watching all this happen and it's like, Oh, well this CPU needs a hard drive reset. And so, because now it's figuring out that the, the, where the walls are of the Truman show inside this computer. And so it hits reset. You know what I mean? And the again, like virus the virus has taken over. Right. No, but exactly. That file. <laughs> but I think that that's like what you're saying. Like 
there's been all these different versions of the apocalypse, but none of them have ever come to the point where we are, where we're talking about artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, almost is like the next step of, uh, or next step away from like religion almost, if you think about it, because you're now um, creating things in, in a space that you're altering your environment, especially if you're talking about quantum computing. And it's almost, it's, it is, it's godlike in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know that it's just weird because there's also like truths to this world, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, why, why do we care so much about killing each other? Like, why does that bother us so much? You know, it's, right. it's more than just, um, animal instinct because it's, it's a thing that exists, you know, species to species is different and all these other things. Like why, why do we have like these like certain baseline traits and, mm-hmm. and, and, and there is variability, but also like the, I, I don't know if like being aware of it would change it that much because I don't know, like based on what we see of AI right now and how we understand that we can create it, but also mm-hmm. we're not sure that we can control it. So like mm-hmm. being the alpha and omega means like, I know that if I, I have these core programs and I set things up in a certain way, like I know how it's going to end, right? Like, uh, like, uh, Isaac Asimov, you guys ever read like the foundation series? I know who you're talking about, but I've never read that. So like, it, it's like, it's, it's, it's the theory that you can impact, you can do little things along the way in history to get to the end point because humans always end up at certain end points, right? Like mm-hmm. and we go through these cycles, you know, like hard men create or hard times, create hard men when, you know, hard men right. create good, good times and all these other things. Like these are just cycles. So it can know like based on the programming, where we're all going to end up. And like, so like you look at like prophecies, like, you know how it's going to end up. It's like, it's like having kids, right? Like, it's like, Hey, if you go down this path, I know where you're going to end up and your, your kids can't, you know, they just can't see it. So it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that, you know, every single detail and you're controlling everything along the way, but based on the core program, you know, that eventually we're going to create AI and nuke each other into non-existence or whatever else is going to happen because that's in our nature. That's in our programming. So, right. you know, whether you call it nature programming, the natural man, whatever it is, um, you now that's the way it goes. And, and maybe that was other good things that are programmed into us, like the, the karma, the, the wanting to be good to each other, us feeling good by saving lives and all those other things is the, the fail safe to keep the, the program going long enough to produce something yeah. worthwhile for the uh-huh. AI. Right. It's the most recent patch because the last iterations kept killing each other before we got this far. <laughs> right. <laughs> they need more morality. All right. Yeah. In Institute Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that there wasn't there like a Jesus Christ type character in the Matrix, or was that Neo or whatever that shows he's people the one. Like, oh, he's, he's like he, he's, he's he's he is the Jesus. Yeah, he's Neo. Yeah, the one. Maybe civilization as a whole was heading in the wrong direction, and sort of like send in the Jesus yeah. to like the Jesus patch. Yeah, like we didn't get anything good <laughs> out of this run. Is there? Yeah, like th- throw in the patch and mm-hmm. prolong this thing so that we can actually get some good and new experience out of this that's valuable for the AI collective, God, whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if you even if you think of it that way, uh, you consider. There, before Jesus, there were other people who talked about God, you know, like the a- Abraham, right? And mm-hmm. then Muslims believe that Muhammad was, you know, the next thing that God was trying to say. Hey, you know, all these Christians are thinking about this the wrong way. Here's here's the actual truth. You know, I don't know. That's kind of re- that's kind of repeatable. Is all I'm trying to say is you can kind of see how that's happened other times. But again, like these are these are just like um, you know, the the big three you're talking about, like Christianity, Judaism, and uh, and Islam, but the others have 
some similar themes that you could you could kind of stick there and say, well, you can almost have, you know, digital or, or technological attributes when you talk about, um, you know, the reincarnation aspects of, of other other religions, because that could be the same thing. Like, you know, you're not actually dying. You're just, you know, going to another part of, you know, life and becoming something different or, or whatever. But to go into um, the pregame uh, lobby for the next match. Yeah. So I'll just say this too. Like I, I don't actually think all of this is a simulation. I think that you know that as far as life goes, I find that 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 theory really interesting. Um, but the reason why I don't think that it's it's all a simulation is I feel like if it's all a simulation, there's and maybe this is just me and like my brain not wanting to think this way. But if if that's true, then there's just a box that we're all in, no matter what you do. And I feel like there's something outside of that that isn't just a box we exist in as as a program, I guess. I mean, if, we, if we're all AIs, then it's not really a box. If we're no. all out here just trying to grasp at, at different different experiences and all that other stuff. And, and to be honest, I don't I don't really care if it's a simulation or not, really. Yeah. Like, well, it doesn't matter. It's not like yeah, we have a choice. Yeah. I'm searching for that that long game dopamine hit, you know, like the the good life and all that other stuff, and do as much right. good as possible because like we're programmed or whatever we're we're born and or whether whatever belief system you believe in, like doing good makes you feel good. So, and who cares? Like, might as well hedge your bets and and pray every once in a while and see what happens. But yeah. even if it was right, like, you're still not going to be like I, you're saying, Gresham. Like, you don't want to just be in this box. But if we were all in this box, like our creator would still be outside the box. But but then you could get into like the, I don't know, like that could go on forever. We could be AI. That was, it's kind of like a, the Rick and Morty episode where it's like the civilization in a civilization in a civilization in a civilization. It just keeps expanding or whatever. You know what I'm talking about, Gresser? Do you watch Rick and Morty? Nope. No? Oh, okay. Dude. So Not even the Pickle Rick episode? Like I know it. I've watched episodes, but I mean, this might be, you know, sacrilegious, but I just don't find Rick and Morty funny. Okay, that's 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 fine. I know. <laughs> so, I'm terrible. So the, I'm a terrible so person. You're the, the person episode, programmed, the one person programmed to think that I it's am. not funny. Okay, it's yeah. true. That's yeah. me. So Somebody the, tur- turn me off. <laughs> the <laughs> reference is that Rick's car battery mm-hmm. is to be powered. It needed like uh, a civilization inside to power it, and so like there's a civilization inside, like an entire universe inside Rick's car battery. And mm-hmm. he goes into it to try to fix his battery because it's not working. But then that civilization also created like a battery that's a civilization. So like it just keeps going down, down, down. And eventually you get to the, like the last one. And they learned that they were in a simulation. So they stopped giving their power to like the outer box and then to the outer box. And then that caused it to go to the outer box. So Rick's car doesn't start because all the way down the chain, uh, the they figured out they're in a simulation and they stopped feeding into it. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I that's, say box. That's the concept. Yeah. So I use the analogy box because to go back, what you said earlier, Trent, was that the artificial intelligence that we're creating, it only knows what we know because of what we've put on the internet, right? So if if we are AI and then something bigger than us, we only know what we know because oh, of whatever okay. it is knows what it knows, right? And you know, potentially, if that's true, there's some, you know, like this is that, that third party, um, 
analogy where like the ants live their life and they're going in and out of the anthill, they're finding food, they're bringing stuff back, they're building the anthill, right? We could stand there and watch them the whole time and they will have you know nothing to do with us. They won't stop what they're doing, none of that, right? So we may not know we're being observed by something else, but what we know as this AI created by this thing is only what that thing knows or wants us to know. And so what I get out with the box thing is the AI that we've created is kind of in a box. It's in the box of the internet because it only exists, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's understanding and developing its own like thoughts and ideas of what something is based on the information it's fed. But all I'm getting at is I, I think I would rather, I guess it is kind of a preference. I would rather think that is something more than just, you know, the shit I'm being fed, like order of the mushroom style. Like they just keep me in the dark and feed me, feed me shit kind of thing, yeah, you know, like feds. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, if we, if we loaded up a ship, like Elon Musk, like downloaded a bunch of AI into mm -hmm. uh, robots and loaded mm -hmm. them onto a spaceship and sent them to Mars and they mm -hmm. have no way to communicate with us mm -hmm. until we go out there and, and see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like they're not in a box. They were created by us. That's true. And you send them out there and then you check up in like 10,000 years and see where they're at. Mm -hmm. Like they kind of have, you know, free will or whatever it is and all these other things. Mm -hmm. And we could program whatever we want into them. And we know what works, like which values keep societies going forever. They have no idea that they were created by something else necessarily. They might have, you know, but they're like, where did we come from? We're on this weird planet. Like, why do I mm -hmm. feel like I want to do these things? Like, why do humans want to create stuff? Like, why do we want to do all these other things? Why do we have inspiration? Why do we have, like, like why, why do we tend to, to gravitate towards certain things that make our society one way or another or, or mm -hmm. you know, uh, we, you know, build or whatever it is that we're doing. And so like, if you go back there, you know, later and you plug into their, you know, intranet, that is like whatever's, uh, their spaceship is like the amount of like weird experiences that you could probably figure out from them because mm -hmm. they're, they're in a place that we've never been. And like the way that they figured stuff out and, and, and how they utilize their environment, and all these other things, like it would be wild. That's actually a really cool thought. You should write a book about that. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I mean, you think about it, like if you did, if, if that happened, you know, they're going to get there with whatever knowledge that they have. And then obviously the environment is going to dictate the new things that they learn, you know? So I guess if you thought, thought of us that way, initially, you know, just what they know is what they know because they were given it, but they're going to develop their own thoughts and ideas on the red planet and whatever they got to do to, to make it survive. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know, man, there's, there's, we're, we're trying to solve the, uh, the biggest question ever. Uh, why, you know? So then yeah. if, uh, okay. So if we're the simulation, you got my mind going, if we're the simulation, right? On earth to you, Trent, where does the simulation like end? Is it the whole universe? Like, does it actually go on for like ever, I guess, for the simulation to like make sense or is it, does it actually like end? Does it end within like our reach? Is it like the solar system? And then everything outside of that is just there to make it seem like there's more when there's not. And if that's the case, do aliens not exist at all? Like it's just part of the simulation to like think we have UFOs and stuff to make us feel intrigued? Well, it depends, right? It depends on if, if we're plants from another uh, civilization that re resides in the universe, right? If we mm -hmm. are the AI plants or what, you know, like, and what's the difference really between AI and just I when it comes down to it? You know, because yeah. eventually tech and, and biology are going to, you know, become uh, symbiotic. But 
if it could be like the aliens, right? That 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 planted us here, and that's why they come back to check on us every once in a while. And 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 maybe there's some stuff happening with their civilization that are coming back and, and trying to figure out stuff, you know, where we're at and and where they went mm-hmm. wrong. That's a whole nother train of thought. Or there's the interdimensional theory, right? Where like there is a whole nother dimension, and that our box is three dimensions, and then there's the fourth dimension where there there are things that exist outside of that. Or it could be a combination of of the two, depending on on how you look at it. So. That's one of those things where eventually like your, your mind just comes to an, an, an infinite nothing and yeah. then you just have to be like, I'm just going to live my life and, and yeah. drink more. I like what you <laughs> said there. I like what you said there though, because I, I was, I guess I was stuck in my own little box where I was thinking that like to be in a simulation, like we're like in a hard drive or in a computer. I wasn't really thinking that we could be a simulation, but be in the same universe as our creators. And they just planted us here and we're being observed. I, I took simulation, like literally, I guess, like matrix wise. Mm-hmm. And kind of what you said there is it, it could potentially be, correct me if I'm wrong, but it could potentially be that Earth just happens to be habitable, either on its own or created, and just another species could have dropped us off here and then it just observes us for their own knowledge and gain. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and sees what we come up with. And we're like a little science experiment and all these other things. So we're like the little ant farm and like the, in the elementary school like corner <laughs> where you kind of just yeah. watch them or like we because our, our our civilization is so more robust than like the little mm-hmm. gray aliens they might just be building us and they kidnap however hundreds of thousands of people they disappear per year to go off and fight other aliens and and create armies of savages which is us uh to go do <laughs> their bidding we're just the berserkers and they just they, they farm us to go fight their wars because yeah. they're too That's frail what, to do it. <laughs> they know they're they're so scared that if we got a hold of their technology. So like here's my other theory about aliens, right? Like, and I don't know if you guys have heard it, like dolphins could be smarter than us, but because mm-hmm. they live in the environment that they live in, they are stuck where they're at. And we think yeah. that they might be dumber than us simply because of of environmental things, right? Limitations. So like if you if you live like aliens might not be smarter than us like if you grow up on a planet where like these elements exist where you can manipulate gravity so like in the mm-hmm. bronze age you're manipulating gravity simply because of the environment that you grew up in and then like you come and visit earth whether you planted us here or not and you see what we are and we're savage we created nuclear weapons we kill each yeah, other by the millions like, what is that we get a hold of their their tech and their resources what they know what we're going to do. They're not so dumb mm-hmm. that they don't think that we're going to steal other spaceships, go find out where they live and kill all of them. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. And so like yeah. the, the idea that technology and resources throughout the universe is somehow this linear thing. And people are like, Oh, aliens like have this like super advanced tech. I'm like, is it advanced tech or is it a product of their environment? Just like yeah. our tech is a product of our environment versus the dolphins who, if the dolphins grew arms and legs and crawled out of the oceans, they might murk all of us because they're like you guys are a bunch of retards right yeah, we literally had this conversation we literally yeah. just had this conversation i kind of said something similar to that that you know the 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 resources that we have on this planet are what our limitations or our you know the future of us whatever it is right and so another i literally use the same example there could be like another planet where they have this rock that you know floats or whatever and they're like oh shit i can use this to do other things and it's just 
what they have to work with. And to us, it seems super advanced. And I said, maybe they don't have the ability to make nuclear weapons. So they look at us and I'm like, holy shit, like that's crazy. You know what I mean? I've never seen anything like that anywhere else. That's, I mean, I, I love that idea because you're right. When people think about that, they do think, you know, everything, every, everything everywhere is all the same. And it just, it, it just isn't, you know? Yep. So we're, we're programmed to think in straight lines. And so it's really yeah. hard to, to, to break that and to, to, to expand your mind a little bit to, mm-hmm. to other possibilities. Mm-hmm. Last episode, I was telling Zach about one of the, so I used to, when I lived in England, I was a kid, um, I was a teenager and I worked at the shop at on Mildenhall and one of the bosses I had, um, you know, I found out through some other people that he, he was like into UFOs and like I told a few people that he got abducted. Did you listen to, to it? I, don't I, I like listened the, to some of it. I was trying yeah, to do yeah, some yeah. research on y'all. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so I was just going to expand a little bit more on his story because it go, kind of goes in line with what you were talking about. Um, but like I said last week, you know, he that was the first time I'd ever heard about grays and whites aliens. And essentially, like he said that, you know, grays were friendly, whites were not friendly. And I've heard all kinds of different theories, you know, and, and his kind of aligns with other people's and other people's have totally different uh, thoughts and ideas. But um, that essentially grays were were wanting to help us as, as the human race and, and the white race, you know, white race of aliens essentially was was out. And they were like the global conquistadors or the universal conquistadors just going around murking people. And um, yeah, no, but that essentially... Um, what he'd been told over and over and over again were that the gray aliens kind of helped start us and gave us the the like the sentience that we have so that eventually we would be strong enough to like join this global alliance essentially where we could go and combat these you know the white aliens essentially to fight them off and help other people and that you know they're they're kind of like nursing us along and giving us helpful hints and all this stuff and uh, that they've been here before and the the more we advance in our technology the more dangerous we become so they're more standoff but they're still here they just know that they don't have the capability to be as immersed as they used to be um you know which is kind of wild and i'm you know, i'm like 19 sitting here listening to this like mid 50s dude in a suit tell me all this shit like at work and i'm like i you know half of me is like this is crazy and half of me is just glad i'm not out there you know ringing up mountain dews you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and, uh, so but no i it, i've heard so many other people say that though about that that you know i i I could see it being a possibility that we are, you know, like an, um, like a lab experiment almost. Well, and, and, and to think that we, we, we think that the grays are the good guys and the whites are the, the bad guys in the, the mm-hmm. greater picture of the universe. Maybe the whites are right and we are terrible. Maybe. Yeah. They're just out there cleansing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if we, we survive, the- it means the mm-hmm. end of the life of it throughout the entire universe. And the whites are like, right. bro. We can't let these savages get a hold of this stuff. And the grays are like, ah, like, you know, we're like, you know, Los Angeles Democrats. And we're just going to like, let it go and see what happens. We're going to help them out and give them all yeah. of our tech and no all this restrictions. other stuff. Yeah. No. The whites are like, just Dude, the, no. Right. They're just the hippies of the universe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just gonna, it's just love. Just let them, let them blow shit up. It's cool. The whites are like, why can't you see what's going to happen? Why yeah. can't you see it? Why can't... <laughs> I like that they had a slightly Asian accent when you said that. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so it was there, like a hint of it was there. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I just imagine like the grays and the whites like having like a political debate, like on like on like uh 
galactic news and they're like, no, we got to stop these humans. They're, they're insane. They're going to ruin us all. And I was like, no, we got to let it be. Every species can do what they want. Who cares? They got nukes and we don't know what that is. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, dude, talking like about like aliens and like the simulation and shit. Um, have you seen that, that video that's going around about that lady on the airplane and she's like, getting kind of belligerent and yelling at the flight attendants. And then she points, she's like, that dude isn't real. And then everybody like turns around and looks, no one has seen what the fuck this guy looks like. And I haven't seen her come out and say anything, but you know, the course there's all these people like it was a reptilian. I know it was the guy's uncle told me, you know, like and they're on TikTok and Instagram and shit. But I was just wondering if you'd seen that. Cause I don't know. It's probably just, she's probably just drunk or something, but who knows? I got a first question is, is there a more medicated section of society than upper middle, cl- middle class women in our country? Yeah. I, yeah. No, I don't think so. Like, to That's be cool. honest with you. The dude and, was probably like was, from like Moldova or something. And she was just right. like, oh, it's <laughs> not real. I don't, I, don't, I don't recognize this accent. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I will say this. Having spoken to an innumerable, innumerable amount of people who are intoxicated or are on drugs, there are a few aspects of the when she's talking, um, listening to her, where she sounds intoxicated, whether she's medicated or she's actually drunk. Um, just kind of the way she's speaking to me sounds like she may be under the influence, but mm. that's just my opinion. Well, she, she jumps around like from like a, a religious thing. I think she said something about religion and then she mm-hmm. starts throwing f-bombs and then she yep. keeps you screaming that he's not real and so like it makes me it makes me wonder um but like maybe maybe he wasn't real or maybe she got a hold of some of those gummies like the joey diaz gummies and she had a psychotic yeah. break you know yeah. like it or drug interactions or whatever you know that's what i was kind of thinking maybe she did the typical go to the bar at the airport thing popped a few pills got a little mm. too drunk and then got on the airplane i don't know but I mean, we've I all been there we should weird. judge her you know we've all we all oh, there. dude, hell no, no judgment, man. I, a couple months ago, I went to Denver and uh, I had like four hours to kill at the airport and uh, definitely had a few drinks. So I didn't, I didn't yell at anybody and tell them they weren't real, but you know, maybe I just needed she another just, drink. She was just the one person that didn't get like that morning patch update. So like she was seeing weird stuff and we were Could all be. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that that old that old TV show or movie where like the guy had the sunglasses where he could see all the reptilian people or whatever, and like uh, I know what you're talking yes, about. Yes, yeah. I saw I saw like a clip of that on Instagram. Yeah, I think it was like uh, the TV show was like V for Victory, and I think they okay. made a, a made for TV movie after they canceled the show or something mm-hmm. like that. But like that was kind of like the thing is like they had these sunglasses where you put them on and you could see like the lizard people that were trying to take over everything, and obviously the people in charge now got rid of that TV show and wiped it from the internet because it was too close to home. Right, because the reptilians are actually the ones running the uh, the show. Yeah, it, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Like I've seen so many people out there that that think that that's real, and I don't, I don't know, I don't I know if I subscribe to the reptilian thing. But it's easier to believe than a person that looks and sounds just like mm-hmm. you is capable of the things that they're capable of. I agree. That's what I think. Yeah, it takes the the human element out of it. It's like, there's no way a human would be this evil or want to do that crazy well, stuff. It yeah. has to be a reptile. It's like, well, uh, you, if you consider um, the the numerous examples from history where people exterminate other people, one of the first things they they do is separate that group as an out group, and they separate that out group from yeah. their humanity. You know yeah, what I mean? So it's, it's, exactly. They other so, them. Mm-hmm, they other them, and that's that's 
it's just a human trait apparently when you want to feel better when you sit there and talk shit about somebody you find ways to to dehumanize them almost so but yeah that's why they, all right man. that's why they tell you during like ecac training that you've got to humanize trying to like yeah. connect all that type of stuff yeah. so you're or, not just an enemy we might we might all be controlled opposition for the folks listening so maybe don't listen to us because the reptilians are just controlling us and paying us to tell you that they're not yeah. real you're falling for it i wish i was I getting mean, paid to say that because i'd be all you know in. what I'd be like yeah <laughs> we're all aren't real not exactly just <laughs> you work for the people. government you have a clearance oh. you must be in on this yeah yeah everybody with a clearance is in on this for sure yeah. dude I've ri- I've actually written a few people and been like, hey, you know, I have this podcast. I'm going to be interested to talk to you because I really enjoyed your book or I really enjoyed, you know, something you said on whatever. And people are like, yeah, sure. Tell me about your podcast. Tell me about you. And I'm like, I'm like, fuck, because I'm going to tell this person like I'm in the Air Force and, and I have the people like, uh, I don't know, you know, you work for the government and I don't really want to. And I'm like, listen, like this is this is purely a passion project. This does not represent any government agency. Like this has nothing to do with anything. And then they just don't respond. And it's like, shit, man. Like, you it's know, a passion project from the NSA. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I you guess look at the history of the Air Force, though. Can you really blame them? You know, the, the yeah, Air Force, yeah. like if you believe in like the, the New World Order stuff in 1947 and everything that changed in post-World oh, yeah. War II after we killed off Patton because he was too powerful and he would have been the president <laughs> instead of Eisenhower, who was bought and paid for, you know. I know, dude, that, that's, he died in some mysterious ways, you know what I mean? There's some of these people. We, we're going to do our episode on, on JFK, too, here eventually and talk about talk about that, but um, you, his, you have His own any... family is saying he was assassinated, so, or, or yeah, yeah, not by... Oswald. Yeah. Mm. It's true. They are. So no, I, I, I don't know. And th- that that's an interesting one because when you look at um I was just telling Zach I, I got a couple books about that. And um one of the things that I learned and pretty much <laughs> are you crying again? You just feel so sad still. About he the started defenders. thinking about the security for the poor <laughs> little defenders at the gate, and I don't blame you. I cry about them too. Texas. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it gets me. Oh, you got allergies. Sometimes it's only randomly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm that I'm that guy that refuses to take drugs too. So like, mm-hmm. I'm like yes. antihistamines Same. are bad because the more antihistamines I take, the more it affects my body. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, like that that cedar or whatever out here. Mm-hmm. No, I, I hate taking allergy medicine too because it makes me dry up really, really, really fast, and I get like yeah. cod mouth. But now, one of the I, I was reading reading a couple of these books for our upcoming episode about uh, the JFK assassination, and um, one of the things I learned was there were two police officers that escorted his body to the morgue to be examined, and when they were done, uh, just being there present uh, for the autopsy, they wrote statements about what happened and just to provide it for the investigation, and they both mentioned that uh, John F. Kennedy's head had basically been cut open already by the time it arrived for the autopsy. And because all they did was describe the state of the president's body. And eventually when the report came out, um, the commission put out the report about what happened. Those two statements from those police officers were left out of the Warren Commission report. And there was um, a gentleman, I have to I have to get his name, but he basically petitioned for decades to have those included um, because they, they had copies of those statements and you know, they weren't, the Warren Commission wasn't able to basically get their hands on them and make them disappear. But 
basically he presupp- presupposes that the president's head had been cut into previously to remove a bullet that would have been fired from the front. And uh, I mean, those two cops are just there watching what happens. They're there for whatever reason, you know, supporting the Secret Service. And they just write, oh, yeah, you know, his head looked cut into, you know what I mean? Whole top half of his head was gone. Why would they say that if it wasn't true? You know, mm-hmm. anyway, just some pretty wild things about that. It's not like they're sitting there and like, this just happened. And they're like, we have to create a random conspiracy. Let's do this together. Like, right. Well, dude, and you know, like just from being a cop yourself, like those, this, this wasn't, you know, the, the flight chief equivalent, you know what I mean? These are the two, yeah. you know, new guys that were like, I hey, fucking get Johnson and Rogers and go set them over there. They'll fucking do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, so. Yeah. Everything about that was pretty weird about the, mm-hmm. uh, the assassination, you know, like uh, it just goes to show you that don't threaten the fed, you know, or the, uh, alphabet agencies or bad things happen yeah. to you. It doesn't matter who you are. You're right. the most powerful person on the planet and doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, how much stuff about the Bobby Kennedy assassination is classified? Quite a bit. Like yeah. Almost all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, but like how much stuff about the, the Reagan assassination attempt is classified? Is any of that? It's like none of it. Yeah. I mean, that was a failed one and they caught the guy like immediately. Yeah. So I mean, he still put it around in him, right? He did, yeah. It ricocheted yeah. And, and went out of his body. Yeah, like his hip, I think. But like, why mm-hmm. would you? Why do you need to classify things about an assassination of America, an American president, especially when when you're telling everybody that this is the story, this is what happened, this is don't mm-hmm. worry about the rest of this stuff, you know? And um, it, it's weird. Like, you don't have to control everybody at the scene. You don't have to mm-hmm. control everything. You just have to say that tell the same story enough times it, it, to the broader audience mm-hmm. for it to be the truth and then also come up with terms like conspiracy theorists and all these other things, which came from a certain agency that we're all aware of. Um, and, and, and that's how you, you control the narrative. You don't have to control everybody. Everybody's like, Oh, like there would be people coming forward. There, there probably were, and there definitely were people coming forward, especially in the JFK assassination. And lots of people have tried to say a lot of things and some people disappear. Uh, cameras were confiscated and there was a lot of evidence to suggest that it wasn't just this, this one dude that, for all, you know, uh, as far as we can tell, was not a crack shot, was not a sniper. Mm-hmm. The, the shots that he took were, were ridiculous. And the, the eyewitness accounts are, are way off from what that they was. Are. Not to mention, like, they, they, the sights and smells. And that's another thing. Like, memory is weird, right? Like, you mm-hmm. can, like, your eyes mess you up. But when people are talking about smelling something, and you guys know this, like, being yeah. in some of the places that you've been, you can right. smell pictures. You know, so it's like true. when you take another person under that bridge near the JFK assassination, they're like, I remember smelling uh, gunpowder here. Right. Like that's that's mm-hmm. accurate because I can still smell that poop pond in Kandahar. Like it, <laughs> like no problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. You see any any uh, any photo of a poop pond, everybody can smell it. That's for sure. Yep. Good times. Just, I just to me, man, like I, I feel like if 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 that's true, that's probably one of the the scariest things um to me is just that you know the there's supposed to be a hierarchy for leadership and apparently it doesn't matter. And I, I you know if that's if that's all true, that's that's definitely the day that like you could say that democracy died in our country. I did a quick uh Jamie Google check and none of the Reagan assassination is classified. There you go. 
Yeah, young Jamie. Good job. Yep, got it. Good job, yeah. Jamie. Well, the, the what what we we I think it's easy for people that grow up in this country to think that the government is something other than just people. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not treading on new ground here, but they're just people. And think about the people that you know that like wanted to be senior class president, you know, because they wanted to be in charge or they wanted power or whatever. And then like, mm-hmm. the, and, like and then just like exponentially expand that over a country and then beyond like or, or like an international bank or, mm-hmm. you know, all, all these other things. And you're going to you're going to get a pretty good feeling about the type of person that wants that kind of position and mm-hmm. and and and. Uh, their, their, their talents and their wants and desires. And, uh, and then imagine them with like billions of dollars behind them or, or this incredible amount of power, like what's going to happen? Like the, the simplest answer is usually the answer. But when it comes to these things, like people are like, ultimate power corrupts ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. (laughs) Or, or it gets you assassinated. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's something I like to point out to people uh, pretty often is people think that the government is just this like anonymous um, or what am I? And all just like thing that it exists out there. And I tell people all the time, like, you know, listen, dude, the, the, the military is a part of the government and the people that are making these decisions, they're just people like the, the dude that you are standing next to in the grocery store checkout line. And, you know, those are the, the same people that have the same level of intelligence. Some people want that level of authority and some people don't. And very often it is people that want that authority that probably shouldn't have it the most. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, you're not, you know, yes, there are some very intelligent people in government and there's some very intelligent people in certain places that definitely deserve to be there because they are intelligent. But there's a lot of people that make it to some of these places that are, are dumb as a fucking rock and are Dude, only there the for next themselves. Man right. And it's just there's there's not this, you know, the government isn't this this entity that has all the answers because it is just people. That's all it is. The, the entire you know existence of humanity is just people making decisions, and that's something that I don't never understood about why people are so willing to just give up the decision making process for themselves, you know, for the the idea of something like to um, that, oh, this is safety over there because it's the government. You know what I mean? Because they are just people that you're relinquishing this to, I guess, and you have to you know to have society, but at the same time, you know. You, you should be questioning the decisions that get made, I guess is all I'm trying to say. Well, Cause they are just people. When, when life gets too easy, we all buy into the lie that mm-hmm. what we, what we crave is comfort. Mm-hmm. Like when society gets too comfortable, we're not back to programming. We're not programmed to be comfortable, <laughs> you know, like, so like, and, and we're programmed to fight against something like that's in our DNA. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can argue that we, we are programmed to fight. And so like, if you're a kid and you grow up in a, an upper middle-class family, and your parents actually had to struggle to get there. You didn't have to struggle to get there. And your parents don't make you struggle. You have struggle inside of you. And your parents are comfortable. They're happy where they're at because they worked their butts off to get there. And like you don't understand that. And you're like, I must be different than you because I still have fight in me. And like, I don't understand why my parents are just happy sitting here and like living the American dream. This must all be bullshit. And like, I'm going to rebel in the, you know, xyz in the, the way that it's you know cool to rebel these days mm-hmm. and whether that's you know the, the gender stuff or or you know going in a different form of government 
or whatever it is, crashing the car, whatever your form of rebellion is that's popular at the time, like that's what you're going to hold on to because that they're fighting. They have to fight against something because it's part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not even their fault. It's they the, create their own struggle. You have to like that's that's who we are. That's that that's the human experience. And so like mm-hmm. we're like, why are they like this? It's like they're like this because no one created struggle for them when they were younger. No one held them to expectations. No one made them work for this insanely comfortable life that they will they live in. And so like we think that these people are thinking rationally, but they're not. They're trying to like scratch that itch that we all have. The reason that probably most of us ended up in the military, um, because like that's who we are as people. Mm-hmm. They have to fight something. You might have just solved the like anxiety depression epidemic you have a whole generation several generations where like their life is relatively easy so maybe they're just all over anxious and depressed because they don't have struggle like actual natural struggle because it's just so easy yeah why is mixed or or martial arts and sports why are those those things so important and why do so many people come out of those programs good people you know quote-unquote good people or 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 well-rounded people because it's the struggle right like and and if you never go through anything like that uh if you never have a reason to look at yourself in the mirror and be like i did it you're gonna find a way so like and and you're gonna find something to struggle against and and then you know you 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 throw in those like those weird years like what is that that's 16 to 25 where your brain is like i must fight against something and and (laughs) whatever i grew up in is all nonsense which is like a Mm -hmm. healthy thing to do is to like push away all the norms and, and find yourself. And then, you know, you go through these schools and all this other stuff and do what you're supposed to do. And it, it's just a weird thing. And so like, we, it's easy to look at these people and be like, these people are insane. And it's like, or we didn't create any struggle for them. And that's, that's the previous generation's fault. It's not their fault. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I was, we were just, Zach and I were just kind of having a conversation about this the other day where um, I was talking about how the boomer generation loves to point out how lazy millennials are. And I said to him, I was like, man, like, dude, these are the kids you raised. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, let me, let me just quote Blink-182 real quick and say, if we're fucked up, you're to blame. You know what I mean? It's, it's a fact. And the Gen Z kids that we all like to talk about all the time, you know, like they're the ones that are coming into the military now and we just don't speak each other's language. Like, I agree with you. There's, there's science behind, you know, the the human psyche and struggle. It's why on September 12th, everybody seemed to just kind of meld together and become, you know, this one cause and, you know, and human beings back when we had to be tribal, we're coming out of the trees just you know, just a step away from being arboreal beings. We had to struggle for food. We had to struggle for life. We had to have people stay awake at night, you know, to make sure the saber toothed tigers, tigers weren't coming into camp. And we've created such a good civilization, such a good life nowadays that you don't have to struggle for anything. You can literally have your entire life delivered to your door and you never have to leave. And that's just not natural human beings. And so much has changed over the past 30 years as far as technology supplementing the aspects of life that we wouldn't have had otherwise, that it's, it almost creates like this, this space where you, your purpose for existing is almost non-existent other than just to breed and consume. And that's not natural. So at all. It's like the, it, uh, it made me think of the song institutionalized by suicide tendencies. You guys, do you guys know that song? Mm-hmm. Yes. No. In that song, it's like uh, he's talking about how like his parents think he's insane and he's crazy. And he's like, 
You think I'm crazy when I went to your schools? I went to your I churches? Remember that song. Yeah. I went to your institutional <laughs> learning facility? And you think I'm crazy? Like all this stuff. Like, and then they're like, we're going to send you to a psych ward. And he's like, who's we? I didn't decide any of this. But it kind of goes into the um, what, you, what you were saying, Gresham, about the boomers created the lazy millennials. And then they think they're like, oh, you're so horrible. It's like they're just doing what you what you bred them to do and that it you did. created them to do well yeah. and, and, and looking at your reflection it might yeah. not even be their fault either like there there are generational mm-hmm. echoes right oh like yeah. how many of your parents still have echoes of the great depression and want to save everything like hoarders and all these My other things like these for sure right and they didn't live through the great depression but their parents did and their parents before them mm-hmm. like they we, we we have these like echoes that echo through generations and so like that the people coming out of the great depression or the greatest generation or whatever it is that like are seeking that like American dream because they'd been through the ringer and all these other things. Like even though the Gen Xers didn't have that, that kind of struggle, those echoes still belong with them are still with them. Right. But they didn't have the struggle to like put it into context to like raise their kids the right way or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. It's just like, um, when you guys went through uh, like basic training and all that other stuff was the, the, the things you learned in like Beast Week or whatever it was, like the, the mm-hmm. tactics, were any of those relevant? Not really. No, but like, They're like 10 I, years too late. <laughs> right. Because everything takes time to change because yeah. we don't we don't change things until we hit a point of failure. You know what I mean? And so like when I went through, it was like Vietnam era tactics. Like we were patrolling like with Vietnam stuff. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like we're in Iraq right now fighting. Like we just invaded and we're you're giving me Vietnam tactics. But that, like they, jungle just, boots for the desert. Those things, like the, <laughs> the humans as a as a whole, don't we don't turn this ship quick. And yeah. so, like you have like the generational echoes and all these other things that are happening, and and these things that get passed down generation to generation. And so it takes a long time. We're gonna have to hit a big failure point before you know we 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 reset and and do it all over again. I always like to say that parenting is the same concept of preparing for the next war by using the tactics you used in the last one. And it's a lot like what you're talking about. Like everything that you learn from your parents, you're just trying to instill some of those things in your kids. But because your kids are different, you're going to do things a little differently or you didn't like certain aspects of the way you were raised. So you're going to do something different this time, you know, and it just it is what it is. Like no one, I mean, there are people that are actively pieces of shit, but there, I don't, I've never met anyone that's actively trying to fuck up their kids. You know what I mean? Most parents you meet, they, they want nothing but the best. And that's where I think the disconnect is, is that people think the best is an environment covered in, um, you know, soft material and never let, yeah, never letting your kids fail. And that's not the best environment. But anyway, it's, it's the protective you know, aspect of wanting to to keep your kids safe that kind of eventually fails them in the end, I think. And there's too much of that is kind of what I'm saying. It's an emotional thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's a it's a it's either trauma based or emotional based leadership or parenting, uh, because we, we get it. We we're always in the struggle in our community with I, I talk to the kids that join our pipeline and like, what are they all seeking? They're seeking the ultimate challenge, right? And then you get people from the outside that don't understand it. They're always trying to like water it down. Like, oh, but like, do they really need to go through all that to like do the job? And we're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely they do. And not only am I saying it, but if you went and talked to the students walking in the front door, like they come out of basic training. Do you know what they say the first time I drop them and smoke them and scream at them and tell them like terrible things to their faces? 
They're like, think we made it. We're finally here. We're finally to the place that I, I was trying to get to. Like, thank <laughs> I found reality. Because like kids have a, a real good bullshit meter and they know yeah, when mm-hmm. things aren't real. And they know when like you're not pushing as hard as you should. And so like there's there's like this this correlation with parenting too, right? Like everybody wants to push back. Like all the all the best parts of your childhood, the first time your parents tried to make you do it, what did you say? No, I don't want to jump in that swimming pool. No, I don't want to go camping. Like I don't exactly. want to be uncomfortable. But like it's your job as a parent to get past that 20 minutes of complaining to give exactly. that kid the best, most valuable experiences of their lives. It's the yep. same thing with these like airmen coming in the front door. If you go and talk to those airmen, they're like, oh no, I don't want to do push-ups and I don't want to get smoked and I don't want to do all these other things. And it sounds scary and I don't want to like get sleep depth on all these other things. Get through the first 20 minutes and then get them through that process. And I'm coming out the other end, they're going to be like, boom, hey, that was the greatest experience of my life. I learned more about myself. I'm a more capable person. I didn't even know that I wanted all that stuff, but because the adult in the room forced me to do it, I'm a better human being because of it. So I was going to ask you about that because you said you've been on the the training side of the house for like, you said 10 years, right? Yeah. A long time. A long time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, I was just wondering because like, I'll, I'll say this for sure that the, a lot of the new airmen that I see in security forces, to me, I feel like there is a major disconnect between, um, I guess, what I what I think the, the Air Force should look like and kind of what the Air Force used to expect from me and kind of the way the Air Force is m- morphing to just kind of fit them. Does that make sense? So yeah. I was just kind of wondering, like, are you guys separate from some of that in that way as far as like, you know, oh, you know, you need to kind of be gentle around these kids or do you have do you see a lot of that, you know, you know, I, I expect you to be nice to me kind of thing. Um, or do you kind of just have the guys that are like, yep, I'm like you said, like, I'm here to get my fucking, you know, my shit yeah. pushed in. I mean, we're it's it, we're separate a little bit, but mm-hmm. it, it's always creeping in. You know, so like we have to change the names of, of whatever we're doing, you know, like it, it used to be, uh, you know, we, we just say we're, we're smoking them. And then it was like uh, another name. And now it's like operant conditioning or something. We have to change the word. So it like matches to some like goal that we're trying to reach and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be like creative, which we shouldn't have to be. And then, I mean, and there's goodness, like we learn and we, there's more efficient ways to train folks and, and to get them to a certain place. Of course. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's always people trying to come in and, and change things and make it, I don't want to say easier, um, but like they they just don't understand how the sausage is made and why it ends up the way it ends up and mm-hmm. what these people are craving, you know, cause like they'll do exit interviews with students and this is kind of a tangent, but I, I like to talk about it cause you do an exit interview with the students that all quit or failed or whatever. And you're like, Hey, and if you, if you start the conversation with like, what was wrong with the program, what was wrong with the program that had made you end up here and they'll have a whole list of complaints. But the crazy thing is you walk into the next room with the people that got selected and you say the same thing. You say, what was wrong with the program? They will say the same stuff that the quitter said. Interesting. Um, But like if you're in that room and you're an adult and you say, no, 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 hold, hold up. You know, everybody shut up. You all made it. No one said this was going to be easy, but we made you go through a process and, and you made it. So like, it obviously worked, you know what I mean? And then like, you have to, like the way you frame everything is, is incredibly important. So if you walk in there and you're like, what was wrong with this? They're like, oh, well, like, even though I got selected, I felt like it was too hard and I didn't have enough time to PT. And I, I feel like I should have had, you know, eight (laughs) more months in my development session before I joined because like, you know, I really struggled like no shit. The whole purpose of this is for you to struggle, but you made it. 
So like, don't, don't you think that it all worked out? And then like, wouldn't you flip the script on them? They're like, yeah, you're right. Sorry. You're right. <laughs> it did work out. And, uh, we did make it and it was supposed right. to suck. It's like, yeah. Do you feel better about yourself now because you, you got selected and you made it through that the hardest thing you've ever done in your life? They're like, I do feel, I do feel better. And I do feel like I could do anything, you know? And that, that applies to almost everything. Like I said, it applies with my kids. It applies with everything. Like when I send my kids outside or if I take them out into the woods, you know, out to like grandma and grandpa's place and I take them outside and it's hot for 20, 30 minutes. What do my kids do? They complain. Bitch. They're up in my face. Like, yeah. dad, it's hot. I can't possibly do anything. It's so boring here. And like, I just want to play my <laughs> Xbox or blah, blah, blah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't uh, yeah, Cool. Anyway, yeah, outside. Yeah. outside. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like I'm going to go chop down some trees. You guys do whatever it is, but you just can't go in, in the house. Yeah. And 30 minutes later, they're running around, they're climbing trees. They're doing all these things. They're creating all these amazing core memories. It's, it's that's just the way it works. And so if you don't have confidence in yourself, which is a huge problem with, with leaders that make bad decisions. And if, if you're not willing to be the adult and hurt people's feelings, would perceived feelings, it's just the first mm-hmm. 20 minutes of pushback. If you're not willing to go past that and be the grown up, you're not, you're not going to get the good stuff on the other end. Yeah. My great uncle Gary would use uh, me and my siblings as like child slave labor. Pretty much. He would take us all. So like our family cabin in the summer up in like North Idaho and it was our job to like chop a whole bunch of wood, like clean up the area, get it ready for the hunting grounds. And when we first got there, it'd be like, he'd get us up at like like five in the morning. He'd always say, Well, we gotta we gotta finish work by one, because one then it's too hot. You know, like he would actually like care about certain things, but like get us up real early in the morning or out there and sweating. And the same thing like you just said, like the first day or so, first couple of days, like this sucks. But uh Every summer, I was always looking forward to finishing school and going back out to the cab with my crazy Uncle Gary, shooting yeah. guns and chopping down trees and sweating and not showering for like four days and just doing stuff because it was it sucked at yeah. first. But man, I, I still remember those days. And I remember those days way more than I did ever sitting in school. You still don't so. shower. I, still, I haven't showered since. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, man, some of the, my favorite memories with my dad, and uh, he was active duty, and he was gone a lot uh, when I was growing up. But when uh, he was stationed at Offit, he got a, a newspaper route. And I used to not want to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning with him and drive into Omaha and go bag newspapers and then go around and deliver them. But I'll tell you what, man, like – those are my favorite memories of him driving around in his Bronco, listening to the fucking radio, you know, going house to house, throwing fucking Omaha, Omaha Heralds at people's windows and shit, you know, like at, at four o'clock in the morning. And it sucked. And I remember bitching about it when I was in fifth grade. But like, it is like that. Some of my favorite memories with him is just mm-hmm. doing doing that. And I didn't want to do it when I was what? How old are you in fifth grade? Ten. Right. I didn't want to do it when I was yeah. ten. But I, yeah. I loved it. So no, I, I completely agree with you. Totally. And it's another thing happens there. No, no, mm-hmm. no. Like well, another, another thing happens there though too, because I had a paper route, which is weird, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. When you'd go to school and other kids would be like, oh, I had to wake up at like 630 this morning and it really sucked to get here on time. Like you're like, bro, am I, am I better than you? Am I capable <laughs> no, it's of true. more than all you weak mofos sitting around here? <laughs> yeah. And like, so like your brain, like, does a thing where it's like, I must be more capable than these people. Like y'all That's are true. soft. So like, and it just perpetuates. No, My siblings I, say I'm extremely confident and I'm like way overconfident and stuff. And it's because definitely. of those little things though. I'll be like, I'm better than you because I woke up 10 minutes earlier or I'm better than you because 
I'm sweating, or I'm better than you because I'm bald and I'm beautiful. Like, <laughs> I don't know about so that. Things. Bald is beautiful, Gresham. My confidence will beat this every single time. Okay. If you <laughs> say gonna, so. We're just going to let that lie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, one day, like, uh, my dad always made me do shit I didn't want to do. And I know for a fact that, like, I, I didn't want to go to every football practice or baseball practice I had to go to. I didn't always want to go to Boy Scouts, but, you know, made me, made me finish my Eagle Scout and was right there, you know, doing it with me. And that's, that's to me is like the best way to do that. It's like leadership in general, when no matter where you work, whether you're in the military or not, like it's, it's that example style leadership of I'm going to do this with you because you're going to do this and you're going to understand the lesson, whether you enjoy it or not. But at the end of it is, is the lesson. And that's, you know, anyway, there's, those are all like really trite things to say, but it's, it's the freaking truth. Like you said, you go back to the programming, there's always like that core, those core truths. And it is the truth that there's just stuff that works and how you get from A to B is, is, you know, is, is up to you, I guess. But yeah. Yep. Yes, pretty rad. <laughs> You're rad. Uh, I'll keep so, going about parenting and teaching kids forever. So, like, maybe we should talk about anything else. Okay. Like, I, I've been in training for so long. I'll just be like, and furthermore, and like, okay, okay, Sarge, <laughs> settle down. You're just gonna start piggybacking off to everything we have to say? No, I'm not. That's why I'm retiring. I'm not gonna e nine ever. Oh no, dude! I've met way more e nines than I have actual chiefs too. So, put it that way. So we could do a, uh, we could do a little Asia, Asia pivot, talk a little China, talk about China, China trip. Could talk about China. Let's talk about China. Let's do it. What what do you guys want to talk about China? How how we uh, we're they're they're terrified of being surrounded and their population is about to collapse and their economy is all played out, and so like it's a good time to paint them into a corner and force them to attack. Create, yeah, create I, some drama. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I, yeah. that's, 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 that kind of leads into the question I had: is what we're yeah. trying to just? Gonna, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's a train wreck about to happen. And uh, how do you? There's, ne- there's never been another country in history that felt painted into a corner or surrounded and just decided to lash out <laughs> Germany. You know what I mean? So, yeah. J- Japan yeah. twice. <laughs> Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Every country it's ever <laughs> existed, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so I guess that's the question. If, if it's inevitable, like how do, you, how do you think it might play out? And uh, how's that look for the future of America and I guess future China? It depends on, on how fast it plays out, right? If, yeah. it, if it plays out kinetic and quick, it's going to be rough. If it pays, plays out slow, then it's just going to be slower and rougher. But like... You know, we're we're kind of engulfed in this this global conflict between like it, it's a little bit different, but it's always the same, right? Like it's 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 resources, it's people, it's technology, it's all these other things, and and you know, China is um, we, we're all we, you know, it's a little bit of a paper tiger because we we you know our press is always trying to to lather us up to you know or, or get us all riled up for war, or it mm-hmm. seems like. Um, I mean, they're on the struggle bus too. So like, if you don't understand anything about their history or their documents or the reason why they're, they're doing the things that they're doing, it's like, you got to understand like China can't feed their own people. Like they don't, they don't have enough resources to feed their own people. Like they don't, they import oil. Like there's all these things. They, they steal tech from us to try to keep themselves alive. Like they've artificially pushed their economy to the point where like it's on the edge of breaking. Like they've, they've done all these things in Africa and all over the world. And they've invested in South and Central America to set up all these things to try to like get their tentacles into into as many places as possible to keep themselves alive. 
And that's what the, the mm-hmm. way that they view it is a, is a survival situation because we have, we have surrounded them. Same like, like we, it's like with Russia, like we're always like, Oh, Russia's evil. It's like, and we, we, we kind of keep pushing, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, and I'm not saying we're the, we're the bad guys or the good guys. Like this is the situation. Like we keep mm-hmm. getting closer and closer and, and pushing it. And Russia's oh, in a sure. lot of the same situation. Like they have a hard time. Their industrial uh, strength is, is always garbage. They have a lot of people, but their people are, you know, their, their army's conscripts and all this other stuff. Like, so like it, we're in this position now where we have two countries. One of them already lashed out because that they're, they're reaching the end. And one of them mm-hmm. through a lot of different means is, is, is doing the same stuff. Like when they're like, Hey man, like you, we're trying to take over this area and we're trying to create some white space around us. And if you come in here, it's going to be an act of war. Right. We're like, dude, like why, why are you being so crazy? But we're like, we're sitting just, over here in America where we have oil, we have food, we have everything that we need. Like we have the infrastructure separating us. Right. Like it's easy for us to forget like the, 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 the money situation that we're in, we're in a great situation. So, um, I, I think it's going to slowly play out. It's going to be like a, a Navy air force effort. Mostly. I think Definitely. the army's falling behind. Uh, the Marines are trying to, to stay relevant and all this other stuff, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of in uh, phase zero of warfare right now as, as we're going after this. I don't think this is a surprise to anybody, but uh, we're, we're both looking at each other. We're sizing each other up, seeing mm-hmm. who's going to flinch first and, and seeing mm-hmm. where this, uh, are we going to do proxies or are we going to do it for realsies? Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think there may be some proxy, but I feel like if, if something happens with them, it'll be Cold War, Cold War, Cold War type stuff until something legitimate between us. And it'll be some sort of accident, you know what I mean? Uh, two jets colliding or someone does something stupid or whatever, something like that that sets it off. Um, or, or, or the invasion of Taiwan, you know what I mean? I mean, that, that could yeah. happen. But I, I, I feel like China knows that them doing that is super brash and it's going to cause them more of a headache than it would um, any sort of victory that they think or people think they're going to get out of trying to take over Taiwan. Um, but I agree with what you said 100% about this is going to be a conflict that the, the Navy and the Air Force is going to have to be at the forefront of. And you know, the, the Chinese have done a really good job of countering what the United States does and how it projects power. Um, these these hypersonic missiles they have, the Dongfeng 17 and 21, those uh, carrier strike group killers, you know, c- preventing the United States from from reaching the mainland and doing what it's supposed to do, you know. So, um, but, you know, the United States is, I feel like, kind of heading in the right direction with some of the stuff it's doing to try to counteract it. But I, I feel like, just me personally, I feel like, if something doesn't happen in the next five years, it's never going to happen because there's going to be too much that happens with the Chinese and their economy to where they know that they're they're They've been all smoked the whole time, essentially. Yeah. Well, and th- there are a few things playing in our favor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that India is now the most populous country on earth. Like it, it, it does drive me nuts that we're not courting them harder. I say that all the time because we, we try to play like we're friends with Pakistan, mm-hmm. but like the fact that, there's two nuclear powers there, India and Pakistan, yep. that are that are huge populations that hate each other. And mm-hmm. like no one wants to get in between those two chuckleheads because they're ready to launch nukes <laughs> at each other at any any moment. But that, that's a, like a good it's weird that that creates stability in the region and that, that those population centers are not up for grab for like Western or Eastern powers to manipulate mm-hmm. more than Turns through strength. Yeah. Uh, and and th- there's a few things like that. There's like the Philippines versus Indonesia, you know, like two weaker powers. And there's like, 
Vietnam who, you know, they've, they've popped their heads up recently and been like, Hey, like, I know we're like communists and we're like attached to China, <laughs> but also like we're fighting over these tiny islands. And like the last country we actually had an armed conflict with, which was pretty small was China. Mm-hmm. And so like, Hey guys, like we're trying to, you know, come out of this. Separate. So th- there's a lot of ways and, and a lot of different countries that we can, you know, play with and manipulate to like keep China busy and on their toes and in a lot of different ways to, 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 you know, if they decide to go kinetic to like mess them up and keep them guessing about everything that's going to happen. So it's a, it's a complicated problem from where I'm sitting. I agree. And I think India is more of a game player or game changer than people give them credit for being. And I wish, like you said, I, I say this a lot. Like if we ever go to war with China, we're absolutely going to need India to be there. And, if nothing but for the sheer number of people that they have in their country, you yep. know, they already have these border disputes with the Chinese where their soldiers and uh, the Chinese soldiers have gone at it with one another. If we would just do more to give them, I say this a lot, all these countries that the Chinese are courting to offer them alternatives to what the Chinese are doing and, and, and change minds instead of trying to use some of these old tactics we have about like, you know, just, brute force and um you know that doesn't work anymore and because they're being offered an alternative that is more preferential to them so you have to change the way we interact with other people and kind of that get that allows for a space where we acknowledge that the chinese have influence and that's something the united states doesn't want to have to do so it's kind of like one of these things where we're going to have to get uncomfortable and change the way we interact with the world. If you're trying to remain that unipolar, uh, you know, leader and instead of having to share the space with a, a communist dictatorship. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things, you know, like, I, yeah, it, it, I always go back to like my, my political views are a little bit different. Like I'm a, a libertarian isolationist a little bit, you know, like, which mm. was a, a terrible word. Like this person's an isolationist. It's like, Hey, we can, we can keep trying to like meddle with everybody yeah. or we just came out of 20 years of war. Mm-hmm. We're in a rough spot. Maybe we just take care of ourselves, you know, just chill a little bit, get our own yeah. oil, you know, like yeah. take care yeah, of, I take care of America that. first for a, a few minutes yeah, and, and let some other people figure stuff out. Like if they invade at Taiwan, it's like, I'm not Taiwanese, like, and it sucks for them, but like, do we really care? Like other people are starting to build the the chips and all these other things. And America's mm-hmm. never, America's almost never been first in anything, yeah. but we will mass produce the crap out of anything if we have to. Like yeah. that's well, where the, our power lies. Isn't no, like the, wasn't the current policy, I guess, like leaked or something where, or I guess like the, it might've been a policy, but it's like, if China does invade Taiwan, like the first thing the U S is going to do is like bomb the chip factories. Yeah, that's what uh, they said. The TSMC factory, we would take it out because they didn't want the Chinese to have yeah, the like, technology there. And and so we're going to just annihilate it before we do anything else. And Which, the, of course, the Taiwanese a, love, you know. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. super happy about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's the possibility that we they get invaded and we go, see ya, just destroy everything that China could get and then go, good yeah. luck. No, see, here's the thing, man. I completely agree with what you're saying about you needing to, to be a little bit isolationist. And I think that we must do that. And at the same time, we, we can't to the degree that, you know, we, we probably need to do that just the global environment could not support mm. a completely and totally isolated United States. But we have all of these rare earth mines in our country that we stopped trying to go after. We have oil in this country. We have the means of production with farming and we could be totally self-sustaining And that. That's what blows my mind the most. And those are the things that I don't understand. Like, 
these are the things that make me a quote conspiracy theorist. Cause it's like, if you know how to do better and you know that how to do better and that you should be doing better and you're intentionally not doing better, then what the hell is the reason why you're not? If it's not some, you know, globalist, uh, you know, conspiracy theory, I don't know. Cause like, just to me, uh, some of these, some of these problems feel like they have pretty obvious solutions and doesn't feel like we're heading towards those. We're going to, I'm going to do a callback to my crazy uncle, Gresham, and answer that question. Uh, he used to always tell us, or I guess he'd always bring it up. His idea here is that the U.S. uses like environmentalism or like being like uh, economical, all type of stuff as a ruse to not use our own resources. And then we use like debt from our enemies, like we borrow a whole bunch of money from China or like Russia or whatever, just borrow money from our enemies to then buy up all the resources from enemies and friends to fuel the largest military. So at the end of the day, when it's all dried up, when shit actually hits the fan, the U S will have yes, all the debt, but we'll also have the largest military and the rest of the resources available. And at that time, no one can cash in the debt because they can't come take it from us because we have the largest military. They can't come take our resources because we're geolocated and separated and we have the largest military. And we also stockpile a lot of it too. We have so much oil and reserves and a whole bunch of other resources that just kind of sit there. Like we have so many resources, so many different things that we literally have a cave just full of cheese. As ridiculous as that sounds, but yes, the United States just has a cave full of cheese, and it, it's stupid, sounds but delicious. Yeah. It does. I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's stupid, but like the U.S. is all stuff, and 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 as crazy as my uncle is, I kind of half believe him that that's the end game. That we're not going to use anything we have. We're going to use all the outside resources to just bolster us. So at the end of the day, because that's an idea, really. And if no one can come cash it in, if no one can call us out on it, then it doesn't matter. And at that point, we win. Well, it, so, yeah. it, it begs the question if, 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 if the way things start is actually how things play out. Because that might have been like the starting. Thank like, you. You know, like yeah, eight, eight. That was their idea at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> eight presidents ago is how it yeah. started. And someone had like this like single pie theory. But like. That that's not how it plays out. And I think that's a lot of like conspiracies, like like globalist mm-hmm. conspiracies. Like people are like, oh, like they've been planning this forever and they've been like running things. It's like, or they take advantage of every little thing that happens to make it advantageous to them. Like, how many times have you been in a situation where you see something playing out and you're like, I can I can I can affect this a little bit to make it better for me. You know? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's all it is. So like it's not that they own everything or they control everything. I think we're getting closer yeah. to that eventually but definitely are like all you have to do is be aware of what's going on and have a few resources to like take advantage of all these situations like because i I think you're probably right i think that's how it was probably sold the first time in like the halls of the white house or the pentagon or whatever it was yeah yeah but like how that changes administration to administration generation to generation and what it turns into just like how our our government has morphed and we still are like oh we're the freest people on earth and we're a democracy and not a constitutional republic and we have people that don't even understand how our government is supposed to work. It's uh, mm-hmm. this is how these things play out. Yeah, I was going to say, Zach, that, that that would make sense if we weren't actively uh, destroying means of production and and not setting up, you yeah. know, 
Yeah. So you, if you're going to do that, you have to still in your back pocket have the ability to ramp up and move the machine. You know what I mean? And so that doesn't really I, exist I have, the way it did. I, in have this. Faith that the, I have faith that the U.S. could do that. I thought maybe I just am just a, a red, so white, so loving when American. But. When you see it, do you see it the same way that like the war effort back home uh, was going on during World War II, where you had all these people just deciding they were going to come together and have all these canning factories and turn these canning factories into munitions factories? Like, you know, we don't have a lot of that infrastructure anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't that's, see that's, a lot of people think that like that to me, I feel like a lot think that that's going to be what it's like, but I don't think that that's even possible anymore. I see what you're saying. I think it, cause like in today's, like we're not obviously like we're today's world's not that time frame either. Right. Like you don't, you wouldn't need, I feel like today's world, you wouldn't need like a bunch of people to come together to make a whole bunch of like aircraft out of a, out of like a can facility or out of like the same place that makes refrigerators or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it would be needed today. Um, but I think, I think the U S could ramp it up pretty quickly. Like, like we talked about nine 11 on nine, 10 Americans hated each other and wanted to stab each other. And politics was crazy on nine 11. We all came together and like, we're ready to go. I know I'm like, kind of like over bolstering it, but um, yeah, it's, I, I, I have faith that I feel like Americans as a whole, just the way that we are and stuff, that if something actually crazy happened, we would relatively come together enough to fight back and to bounce, bounce forward. So does America survive because of the government or in spite of the government? In spite, in spite. Yep. <laughs> I was just going to say that the, the saving grace and I think what you're talking about would be the saving yeah. grace are the people, right? Yeah, and I'm not saying we, the government's yeah. going to solve the problem. No, 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 no I know saying. what I'm talking about are the there's there's 20 years of of, of veterans, right, who've done nothing but go to war for the past 20 mm-hmm. years, the, you know, people that uh, understand, you know, how to do that and are going to raise kids, you know, to, to prepare them for that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So uh, it'll definitely be the American people figuring it out more than the the agencies we we give leverage to do that for us. Yeah. So, but yeah. Because I know for sure that. if any country actually did invade the U.S., like no one would. They're do not that. just they're, yeah, one. Yeah, they'd be really stupid to do that. But they're not gonna. They're not just gonna be just fighting the U.S. government. They're gonna be fighting ragtag everybody. Like it's like it's not just a simple like just topple them. I feel like there's gonna be some hillbilly crazy out there with his tannerite ready to blow up a Russian tank or something. Yeah, I, maybe. maybe. I, I don't know if you noticed in COVID how few people pushed back initially yeah not a lot it's true it kind of killed my i used to think that way Mm. more people were like me yeah yeah and then to see how many people not only cave but adopted what was fed to them and i I don't care what you think about it like the data is out like it was Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. mostly nonsense you know and if, if you're not willing to look at that data from the very beginning and 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 take some chances um you know, like I, it just, uh, I think there's a much smaller percentage of the population that's going to have to make the difference, but I don't, I don't think that's any different than like the revolutionary war. Like we have yeah, this idea like, that like all like the Americans or something. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, that's always been the way, like I was taught that in school is 3% of the population makes all the difference. Yeah. And so yeah. like, we're like, Oh, there's going to be a gun behind every, you know, every bush or whatever blade of grass. I think it's going to feel like it to them. Right. 
but it's not, it's going to be way like your neighbor is not going to go out there and fight, you know, like yeah. your, your, your neighbor is way more worried about their comfort and, and surviving and all these other things. And, um, most people are not very principle based, uh, from, right. from what it seems like. Yeah, that was depressing. No, I'm sorry. It, no, it's okay. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the truth though. I mean, what you're saying, what? I, I kind of had the, the same like deflated deflation that happened to me with that as well, because that's something that we've always said is, you know, oh, well, the government gets too to be too big. Everyone's going to rise up and do something or whatever. And, you know, I even remember seeing during that time, people like, where, where are the Americans? Where are the Americans here doing what they've been saying they were going to do for decades? And it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, like you said, there's, well, and then again, the internet provides a forum for everybody to talk really, really big and puff their chests up and feel better about themselves. But at the end of the day, you know, maybe you were shaming your, your neighbors and your family members into doing something they probably didn't feel comfortable with doing, you know? So. Yeah. I think yeah. Trent, you worded better what I was kind of getting at. No, I don't think every American will be fighting, but I, I think it's, I still think it'd be enough enough Americans who are still patriots and ready to fight would, would still show up to the battle. Yeah, I think that's our culture, right? Our culture is yeah. independence and uh, problem solving. Like, there's no country in the the history of the world that 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 has has shown as much independence and and solving problems and 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 had a love of of winning as much as we do and and celebrated it. You know, like. Though you, you talk to Brits, like, and people are like, oh, we're, we're, you know, pretty similar to the Brits. And it's like, no, no, no. Culturally, if someone gets ahead in Britain, they are shunned, you know, like their, their, their neighbors are like, like, do you really want to like stand out and be better than everybody else? Like, we're one of the few cultures that like, when your neighbor hits it big and their company takes off or they do something incredible, like everybody right. that you know, like, we're going to, we're going to make a movie about this. This is amazing. Like, you came from nothing. Like, this is, this is America. Right. That's what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. If you work your mm -hmm. butt off, if you take chances, like, and you succeed, like we're, we're all here for it. Like we mm -hmm. love it. And not every culture is like that. So like, that's just another one of those things where people are like, Oh, America doesn't have a culture. It's like, no, you're absolutely wrong. Like maybe 100%. you don't, yeah. like, maybe you're an empty <laughs> vessel, you know, but like the rest of us have a lot of pride in, in the, the American spirit of, of overcoming odds and being successful and winning, you know, like that's yeah. what we do. Yep. That's, mm -hmm. and that's, that's one of my big issues now, like to talk about, you know, the, the way the modern media and, and government is, is they're, they're trying to get rid of that culture of it's okay to celebrate people's achievements. We don't all have to all be the same. You know what I mean? And that's, is what uniquely makes us American is that like just victory mindset. I feel like and that, that is, you know, I've, I've worked with several different uh, nations and their militaries, and I've never met a group that was I mean, there, there are a few, you know what I mean? That people that felt that way of their group, but for the most part, it was, it's not like that. It's like what you said, Trent, where they're not, I don't know. It's just, there's something different. You can't really describe it unless you actually have a conversation with somebody. Dude, there's mm -hmm. a, there's a weird dichotomy of, of going overseas and serving with Americans in mm -hmm. like certain environments and seeing the way that we are versus everybody else. And then, and then coming home going mm -hmm. through all that stuff and then you go to like your grocery store and there's a 400 pound person who just has no <laughs> self-control perusing yeah. the the pastry aisle and you're like yep. what is wrong with you you know like i just came <laughs> from a place where i was like what are they talking about with the lazy americans like we are we are we work right. our butts off like we wake up and make this place better even though, though we don't have to like no one's telling us we have to do all these things like we're out in the middle of nowhere doing all these things and then you come home and <laughs> you see that person who's just like <laughs> 
Yeah. There's the, this is this. both things are America and it's really hard to like wrap your brain around it. I don't think anything messed with my brain more than that. It's just no. like I hate and love everything about this country so much. And like I had a real hard time putting those two things together. Same. Mm-hmm. It did. And I, uh, when I was in Germany, I worked with uh, one of the German police officers that we work with. He got the opportunity to go to FLETC. I don't know if you're familiar with what FLETC is. It's the Federal Law Enforcement Training Course or whatever. And uh, anyway, so he's like, it's in Arkansas. And so he goes and I'm texting him on WhatsApp. I'm like, hey, man, this is first time in the United States. I'm like, how is it? He's like, he's like, Brendan, I must tell you. He's like, I saw the biggest person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> He's like, and then I went to another another place to eat, and I saw the biggest person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I was like, dude, yeah, you're in Arkansas, bro. Like, you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of big people in the South, but there's a lot of big people everywhere. But he's like, he's like, I we have fat people in Germany. He's like, but but not like this. And I'm like, dude, not everyone. No, it's true, no, dude. And dude, I'm, I'm not gonna. And there there was somebody I worked with in Germany who was a really big dude, and you know, he was really overweight. But at the same time, it's like I have seen people five times this motherfucker's size in the United States. And where do you see them? At Walmart, like you said, in those those poor fucking little carts that have to be just completely ready to die after five minutes, you know, and that's that's where you, that's where you see them. It's just it is it's it's crazy. It's just like that's almost like a testament to how good of a, of a culture and how bad of a culture that we have that you can become a 500 pound pastry eater every day or you can be a self-made business owner and just be ultimately successful, you know, and or and successful success is a uh, subjective subjective target but we have yeah we have reality tv shows where you can just watch fat people just do fat things like (laughs) yeah (laughs) just like going around like my 700 pound life like what you were saying trip made me think of uh that quote it's a quote from uh a roman general apparently but it's one out of every hundred men 10 shouldn't even be there 80 are just targets nine are the real fighters and we're lucky to have them and uh that's I like that one because that's the truth. It's like the one person that's actually doing all. Then there's the one. There's the warrior that will bring everybody else back. Exactly. And uh, that's that's the truth. That's your three percent. You know what I mean? In this case, ten percent. Let's let's do math uh, on this quote. (laughs) But yeah, no. But it's it's the truth. There's and I'm not going to pretend like you know, you know, I'm I'm some like war fighter or whatever. But I feel like I would like to you know I would I would stand up and and join other people who. We're, you know, making that decision to save our country, you know. You know what, though? Mm-hmm. The, that, that one person is not the same person in every situation out of the same hundred people. That's a great point. I so, like that. Yeah. So, like, we, we, we tend to, like, think that that's, like, one singular person. It's like, well, mm-hmm. there's the there's the warfare person. Mm-hmm. Then there's the, the you know, like, the, the be a good person person. There's all these <laughs> other situations that are that are incredibly important day to day. And like you're gonna have the opportunity probably at some time in your life to be that one person to make a difference. Like it's not bringing everybody home from the battle necessarily, mm-hmm. but it is your opportunity to make a difference. It's just like the Sandlot, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody has a chance to be great one time in their life, and most people don't recognize it when it spits on their shoes. Yeah. Like you, everybody has a chance <laughs> awesome. to be that one person in a situation for for the people around them and all this other stuff. Like you just have to have that courage to stand up in that moment, that moment, and and be that person. I think that's one thing that the military has shown me is that leadership can kind of come from anywhere because I've been in situations because when on flight, you know, you have maybe 
30 people, right? And you get in a situation and sometimes somebody steps up that you never would expect to and they have something to say or they do something that is either profound or the right decision. And it's like, damn, like I would have never expected him or her to step up and do that, but they did. And that's something that's so true is leadership and those decisions can come from literally anybody and the situation dictates, you know, what what is going to need and and you know, everybody has it. I'm just re-saying what you're saying in a different way, but it's, it's the truth and I, I like it. So No, but with leadership though, where you come, where you hit that toxic leadership is when you have that leader that doesn't mm-hmm. have that capability in every situation that thinks that, that they're they that one person oh, that has yeah. every answer. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm in this position and I'm in charge of all these things. <laughs> and so automatically because I have these, these stars or these stripes or whatever it is, I have, I am that person that's going to make all the right decisions or all the decisions I think should be made for all, all these other people. Like that's not, mm-hmm. That's not what leadership is. Like, if you don't know your people, if you're not a servant leader, like the leadership is just a level of responsibility. It doesn't mean that your opinions are always correct. And if you think that, then you're so narcissistic that you don't probably don't even realize that you're uh, like a super toxic leader and you're jacking everything up for a bit below you. Those are the ones that are truly toxic and narcissistic. And I, I, I kind of hate that word toxic because it gets used so much, but it's, it's, you know, the, the ones that are truly narcissistic are the ones that don't really realize it. And they're the ones that, you know, are so shocked when you bring it up to them that they're doing something that sucks or is ruining everything for everybody. And they're just, they don't believe you. You know what I mean? How could I be doing something wrong? You know what I mean? And, and yeah. they're the ones that find a way to torpedo your career and your EPR or whatever, you know, but yeah. I can count on one hand how many like actual good, decent, like true leaders I've ever like had in my Air Force career. Yeah. But like, it, it's, it's so disheartening. Like if you have, if you're in charge of 10 people, like you have the opportunity to take all of their talents and like mold that group. And like everybody has a talent. There's no such thing as a useless person, especially in the military. They've passed all the tests. Yeah. They've done all these things. Yeah. You have the opportunity to like turn that into more than the sum of its parts. And then you just like expound that like exponentially over the, like the entire military or no matter how high up you get. Like if you're not constantly looking down into your formation and just like giddy with the chance to like let these people shine and like to accomplish the mission instead of like thinking of yourself as like somehow important, like that's not your job. Your job is to, to protect them from the nonsense from further up and to like, let them like shine, let, let them solve the problems, let them do things that you are not even capable of doing anymore and and do it in a way that you probably never thought of. Like, that's the way to do it. And when they do, do step out and make mistakes, like it's your job to like put them back in their place and like, be like, Hey, no, no, that's why we can't do that and explain it to them. But like, if you're not, maximizing the talent potential of the people that are, you know, quote unquote below you, then you are, you are messing up by the numbers. And like, I don't know how people are in like these, these like leadership positions that don't get excited about like maximizing the talent below them. Like it's, it's the no, the mm-hmm. most fun thing you could possibly do in the world. It's the most rewarding thing you can do in the world. And it's, it's not about you. It's about all those other people. So like these people that think it's about them, like, I don't understand their mindset. And at the end of the day, they're not going to accomplish what they think they're going to accomplish because they're just, they're not doing it right. And it, it drives me crazy. Sorry, I, I, get, people, I get excited. No, no, no. I wish more people thought like you because yeah. I, I, I swear to you, like you said, Zach, I've probably met five people in security forces that that think that way. Like, There's a lot yeah. of people that can say what you say, but their actions are different. True. I mean, it's probably easier for me. Like I, I've come to the conclusion that like the community that I live in mm-hmm. and like the experiences that I've had make it easier for me to see certain things in my people, right? Like I ended up on a team of mostly dudes that I'd trained in the pipeline. 
Mm-hmm. And I had these wow. guys at like Keesler Air Force Base for like a year because like, as they back in the day when they went through weather school and like mm-hmm. Keesler was a really hard physical school when when we were there, you know, like two and a half hours every morning, we were crushing these kids souls. Mm-hmm. And then like my guys have to go to weather school for eight months. The combat controllers go to ATC for like three months or whatever. And so like I, I really got to know these guys and, you know, they'd go off to Airborne and Sear and come back and then they'd go to their apprentice course and come back before they, they PCS over to Hurlbert. And I mean, I remember showing up on a team with these guys and I'm like, I'm so intimately familiar with all these dudes that's awesome, and like though. what they're capable of. So it was hard for me to not see like what was possible, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm just here to like keep everybody going in the same general direction. And it's a cardinal direction guys. It's not like this narrow road that we have to go down. Like mm-hmm. as long as we hit mission accomplishment at the end of this and like, I keep everybody kind of together like that we've, we've accomplished the mission, but like, you know, it's uh, it, it, I think that was what made it easy for me to see that thing from that perspective. So like, I was, I was super excited about it, but you know, like, I've had really good leaders before too, like people that show up and like, Hey, I work for you guys. I'm like, thank you. You know, like you can't, there's no way that you have more experience than everybody in that room. You mm-hmm. know, like your experience does not trump everybody's experience in that room. You know, like right. the, the 20 people that you're telling what to do. So, you know, like I, I just, exci- I always get excited to maximize people's potential and unlock the, you know, the, their, the, the, the locks in their brain and, and help them see things a different way and be the best version of themselves. Like that's, mm-hmm. that is your job as leader. Mm. couldn't have said it better yeah i've been in training a long time i get excited sorry no don't be sorry yeah (laughs) yeah no i I like i like listening to you say that and it's one of the um you know obviously i've listened to ones ready before but i mean those when you guys start talking about stuff like that is when i get really interested and and listen to you guys you just have a lot of unique experiences and things that just you know a lot a lot of other people don't have, you know, and you guys learn a lot of different lessons the hard way, which is a lot different than pretty much everybody else, you know? So it's just, you know, there's unique uh, things that you guys learn and, and have to talk about that I enjoy. And I know a lot of other people enjoy it too, because you guys are very successful. So yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Trent, I enjoy well, Trent, over here could, uh... talking about aliens. That's way more fun. Yeah. No, dude, that's actually one, one of the things I want to know is what you think about all this, this disclosure stuff. I have a I have a theory. I actually have a couple theories, but I have a pretty predominant one about the stuff they let us see, right? But I want to know what you think, Trent. I don't. I I used to be way more sure about what was happening with the aliens. Like I I used to think that like we were hiding it. I get real nervous when government agencies start releasing information. Not that I don't trust them at all, but like I've worked with some of these people, Mm -hmm. and um. It, like why, why do you get nervous real. with that? What, what, like, what makes it nervous that they talk more about aliens? What does well, it make you think? What are they? What are they trying to accomplish? Like, that's always what I'm asking. Like, when you're overseas, and you're working with psyops guys, you're working with agency guys, you're working with you, you know your your soft guys. There's always a goal. Like, we don't do things on accident. So I'm wondering, what is what is the goal? Is is the goal to um to uh to uh you know create an event? That's that's going to make us react a certain way. Or is the goal just like, hey, like we can't stop this anymore and we're just going to give up and start leaking information slowly because people in groups are stupid, which mm-hmm. I think we can all agree with. Yep. Um, yeah, they can't just flat out say, hey, there's aliens and we've been visited. Everyone go crazy. Yeah, but the biggest podcast in the world talks about aliens all the time. They do. You know, yeah, he does. And so yeah. like, but like to be 
I, I, I try not to do this where I see the two sides of every picture. Like I want to be like the biggest podcast in the world. See, like, so like you, you need to give people credit. And on the other side, I'll be like, yeah, but people in groups are stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like, I have very little faith in humanity anymore after the, like the last four years. So <laughs> Same. Uh, it's hard to argue with their logic, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, I I think they've been pressured a lot by like a lot of those, those folks. Um, I forget the guys' names that make all the documentaries and stuff that have been at it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there's, there's things that they cannot deny anymore. And, uh, the, the, all the, the project blue book stuff and all those other things. And so I wonder if they're just trying to, uh, you know, placate us a little bit. And then on the back end, and maybe it's, it's not even a plan right now is the event or, or something that they can take advantage of. Maybe they see an event coming and they're like, we want to be able to take advantage of this event as it comes around, uh, whether they control it or not. So, so that, um, I kind of wonder if you're talking about, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Corbell and then, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I actually really like, um, a lot of what he does. I know some of it, some of it's kind of been called out, but I don't, I don't really care. I, I think that, uh, people are going to say what they're going to (laughs) say, but, so there's, I wish I could remember his name. There's another guy, um, when recently that guy, David Grush came out and said that he worked for an agency, that there was a retrieval program and that they're actually reverse engineering technology. There's another guy who is on a lot of these documentaries. He's had his own documentary, but he essentially hinted at that, um, whoever these, these extraterrestrial beings are, have given us some sort of timeline and that we need to meet certain deadlines and meet certain, um, like check certain boxes or something bad was going to happen essentially. And that the, the slow drip of information coming out that the, you know, these, some of the governments around the world that are actually releasing information is not fast enough and they're not actually doing what there should be, what they were instructed to do essentially by aliens for lack of a better term. Right. And so, but then you, I also hear people saying, well, no, you know, they're, they're giving us permission to let this information out. So what we're doing is doing it in a slow way because that makes the most sense. Cause what do you do when you expose something to, you know, somebody to something you don't normally just like show, you know, rip the bandaid off right away, you know, depending on what yeah. you're doing. Right. Um, so I tend to lean more towards that. Cause I don't have this, like, I just can't buy into this. There's these, these, this group of aliens are like, Hey man, you better tell everybody that aliens are this by Thursday or we're going to fucking blow your shit up. You know what I mean? That doesn't make any sense. Like why spend all this time being secret? You could have blown us up a long time ago if that was your end goal. You know what I mean? Without all the shenanigans. But uh, I kind of feel like a lot of this stuff that's come out, um, Ryan Graves, that Navy pilot, um, who's the other one? Commander David Fravor, those TikTok yep. Tic Tac UFOs. I I honestly feel like those are reverse engineered technology, and those are things that we have created. Because why wouldn't you test them on the greatest pilots in the world to see how they react and how we'd react organically? You're not going to tell them they're up there. They're just going to go up there and fuck around, and you get mm-hmm. a totally organic response. You know, and you get to mess with your tech and no one's going to know what it is because it's secret and you're just going to hear what they have to say and how they interacted with it. That's kind of what I think. Yeah, that may, I mean, that makes sense um, because like, wh- why wouldn't you do that? They know where they're going already, the, mm-hmm. the Tic Tacs and all that other stuff. Uh, but I mean, I, I talked to a guy who was in the Air Force like in the 70s up in Alaska and mm-hmm. a, a lot of other folks that like said like when pilots would go up and they'd come back and report you know, UFOs or whatever mm-hmm. things they couldn't identify and things acting squirrely up there. Mm-hmm. The air force had a policy. Like those pilots would get sent to a different base. Mm-hmm. And so like, this isn't new. No. Um, mm-hmm. 
so like how much progress have we made with the reverse engineering? You know, like if, if, uh, well, who was that scientist that was out there that talked about the, the hand measuring devices that turned oh, up being Zar. Bob Lazar is a weird cat, but like if we've been trying to reverse engineer this stuff since it crash landed in New Mexico, mm-hmm. like we might've made some serious progress. Um, yeah. but it's hard to say. I mean, uh, there's, there was a, um, a lady who just wrote a book uh, a couple years ago. It's called American cosmic. She was just on the concrete podcast. I don't know if you listen to them. He's, he's pretty good, but her, her name, her last name is Pasolka. Um, but Essentially, she she leads this book off with getting escorted out to um, a crash site in in New Mexico, and it's not Roswell, but it's one that's been kept secret. And um, the, just kind of the by nature of where it's at, uh, there's all this debris. No one's been no one's picked it up or whatever. And according to her, the Hollywood has actually used this actual location in movies before as like a dangle it in front of you sort of thing. Uh, but to to make it look like just like a trash dump, they actually brought a bunch of soda cans and soup cans and shit out there and just dumped it out in the desert. And nice. uh, but any yeah no but anyway so um, according to her and some of these people so she inter- that she interviews they communicate to extraterrestrials to learn things and um, some of these other people say they work on some of this technology and essentially uh, we've come a long way and have had a lot of these like things that we, um, you know, the Tic Tac is a thing that's been around since the sixties, essentially something like that. Right. So, um, you know, and a lot of these people say that we have all this technology that, uh, we keep, keep in the bag essentially. And I don't know about all, I don't know. I have no idea, but to me, I feel like we probably have come a long way. And that's what I think a lot of this, this is because it is foreign, like non earth foreign, if it is reverse, you know, engineered. Right. But yeah. Well, and how do we make money if we we have this tech that we could just own the world? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Do we do we make like, money without like conflict? Yeah. yeah. No. No. Yeah, so exactly, like, man. There's a reason for everything. Yeah. And then we constantly start conflicts and probe because we know we could win at any minute, so we're yeah. not really worried about it. Yeah. Let's it talk about be. how the the CIA and Hollywood are so intertwined because like Let's that's that. what globbed onto right there is right. It, it's funny because you watch like a uh, Argo. And people are like, oh, like, that's a really cool story how the CIA and Hollywood work together. And I'm like, you meant you notice when he mentioned that he's worked with him before and we like right. CIA and Hollywood have like really deep ties, like not, you know, like, yeah, that doesn't the CIA look nice. That, that doesn't worry you at all that yeah. like yeah. They're, they're using these like huge, the, the biggest platforms of their day to, to message things the way that they want them to be messaged and using words that they want them to use. And, uh, you know. It, it, I, it, I have a hard time like watching TV shows about, you know, FBI, CIA, whatever, like where like these FBI guys are always heroes and mm-hmm. like, it's always like, so do I. And like, uh, the so cops cheesy. always using like, um, like going extra judicial, like, and, mm-hmm. and like treating people, civilians a certain way. And like, mm-hmm. they're still like the hero yeah. because these people were bad people. And I'm like, well, well what happened to like due America? process? Yeah, yeah, like do all these things and like, <laughs> right. but it's constantly on the, your tube that you're staring at and getting beamed into your eyes mm-hmm. that like the, the government is the, the the authority that you have to listen to no matter what, because they're right. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're always trying to do like this, this greater good thing, which I, I don't remember looking at the Constitution and saying that they could just do whatever they want for the greater good anytime they wanted to. But I probably maybe I missed it. that part. Yeah, me too. I remember mm-hmm. reading, remember reading, uh, they're like talking about like Law and Order SVU. 
and like the show itself, like Detective Stabler and uh, Detective Benson. In the show, they have like a eighty-eight or like eighty-nine percent like case completion rate and like convicting the person. But the actual New York City like SVU unit has like less than a four percent or something yep. like conviction rate and like success. And they then, always catch the killer on TV, but in real life, yeah, mm-hmm. almost yeah. never. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's gross. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the, the X Files <laughs> was the only one that like I like to watch still mm-hmm. because Love like, they're like. They're in the government, but they're like always fighting against the government. And mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. that's me. I'm whether, in the Air Force, but um no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and people still won't come on your podcast because you're you're in the Air Force. That's right. They don't. Thank God that's, you did. It's because yeah, you're one of them. I don't know what I don't know what we would have done. <laughs> I am one of them. You're right. Are you so a what, lizard person? Is this what this is? You're you're just trying to like figure out what I know and then people are gonna pull up in black SUVs totally on brand and knock on my door at night. Yeah. <laughs> It's true, and the refresh rate on your computer is is too slow. You can't see me like rehydrating my eyes the way I actually blink. So, yeah, just in case you were wondering, your, your podcast trend's going to go from being called "Ones Ready" to "Was Ready," which doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. It's called "Not Ready." He wasn't ready. <laughs> he wasn't. Ready. They got. They got him. Dude, can uh, I say that? One of the best things that ever happened is is when we hit a certain level as as ones ready when the guys inside the community start making fun of us. Like mm-hmm. there was one uh, Instagram page that popped up that was called Wands Ready J U A N S. Yeah, and it was it was hilarious. But I think they found out how much work it is to like update an Instagram right. page every day. Yeah, and they fell off. But some of the guys have made shirts that say "Not Ready" that uh-huh. look like our logo and everything. And it's like that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like that's, I love that stuff, dude. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, man. Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Thank, thank you for just bringing more attention to my podcast. Uh, Hate on me some more, dude. That's awesome. Now you're talking about uh, like the, Hollywood and the in in the Fed, man. Like that that article. We were just the thing you texted me about um, Rolling Stone, the Rolling Stone article. You know what I'm talking about? Like, how could you not get behind something like that? How could you fight against it? I don't understand. Well, it's it's, it's funny that there there. How many movies have you seen that are like based on true events? So and I'd like to go back in Rolling Stone history and be like, mm-hmm. how many of these stories do you just totally blow up for sensationalizing what happened mm-hmm. to in, in this, you know, quote unquote true story? And uh, and, and they did. They don't not all mm-hmm. the time, especially if it's a good movie. Like you could go back to that movie, Argo. Mm-hmm. Did they go back and blow that movie up? No, that movie had like a 98 percent Rotten Tomatoes rating or something. I mean, it was right. a great movie. But they weren't like, well, Ben Affleck is like, this is totally mostly made up. And like, there was no police chasing them down the runway and all these other things. But then when you have a story about Tim Ballard, who's a mm-hmm. seriously righteous dude, who's obviously not a perfect human because none of us are. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jim Caviezel, who is, you know, he's a yeah. free thinker, gets this movie made. And then they're trying to attach QAnon and all these other things to it and right. insulting everybody that likes this movie. And then in the, like, the lower on that page is where I pulled the second one. But they're talking about this movie about like butt cocaine and like all these other like debaucherous things in this movie. And they're like, oh, for the win, like this is the kind of comedy we're looking for. Right. And it's just like, what what are you trying to accomplish? Because it sounds like like I don't like to use the word evil, mm-hmm. but it, it don't it don't feel good and it doesn't look right. No, it's it feels like protecting a certain group of people that don't want to get found out. That's what it feels like to me. Well, and any time that they say something is a fact, when they're like this obvious, uh, 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 you know, they're, they're making a more big deal of like these child sex rings like mm-hmm. that are obviously untrue. This could never be true. This is, you know, like 
They right. said it mm-hmm. at least four times in that article. Right. Like trying to convince you that these things do not exist. Jim Caviezel is crazy. Mm-hmm. And like this movie is, is only for old boomers that were on the QAnon movement. Right. Like it, it, it was a little, it was it a little much. It was a lot is pretty ham fisted. Like they're not even trying to hide it anymore. No. I mean, how can you sit there and say it doesn't exist? Like there's, I, I literally watched a video today that, that was in Brazil where this guy stuffed a 12 year old. You saw, you saw that stuffed a 12 year old in a suitcase and dragged her into his apartment complex and told her all this crazy shit. Like, thankfully she was rescued, but like that, how can you tell me this doesn't happen? Like somebody there's, here's just one example, right. Of the millions that, that probably are out there, you know? And I, I, I know for a fact that, uh, people get human trafficked because I've seen it, you know, and, and been involved in trying to stop it before when I was in Germany, you know, and with, with Pulitzer. And it's just, it's something that I just Dude, don't understand have, how you we have it gets, that's CBTs. Me, that's what gets me frustrated. You know what I mean? Yeah, this kind of, we have mandatory computer-based training in the air force about right. seeing human trafficking and knowing how to deal Dude, with it. Dude, and then you see this Rolling Stone article, like this isn't real. It's like, what are we talking about? Right. Every, every hotel, the like, you stay in, usually if you like open up like one of the drawers, there'll be like a card that says like, if you think you're a victim of human trafficking, like call this number. Like they don't put those in every hotel room just cause. Yeah. Like. Dude, there's a literal like, sheet of paper and the urinal above, like above the urinal of my squadron. That's like signs of human trafficking. You know what I mean? Like uh, just, uh, that's what gets me frustrated, man, is, is to see people deny shit that's so blatantly obvious, especially when it has to do with, with people and, you know, being trafficked or especially if it involves kids, I can't handle shit happening to kids. That gets me, uh, takes me to another place, but it's yep. just, yeah, I, I just don't understand it. Like, how could you think that not everybody's behind or could get behind that and support something like that? And to, to hear later, like I, I saw this movie was coming out and I'm like, man, I'm really going to go see that. You know, and I hope I have the time to go see it in a movie in a movie theater. And if not, then I'm definitely going to, to pay to, to own it or watch it on a streaming service. But you know, I saw this was coming out and then I found out that it existed for years as a completed movie and people try to stop it from coming out. It's like, what are you so afraid? Even, even if you, let's just put it this way. Even if half the stuff in that movie isn't true, which I don't think it is. I think it all is real. Like talking about this guy, right? What are you going to accidentally do? Create a better environment where people are more aware that this shit does actually happen to people. Like, what are you going to accidentally do? You know, it's just like, you see the fucking, you know, WAP was like the number one song in the country for however long, but you can't put this movie out, you know, to raise awareness about, about, you know, kids being trafficked. It's just, yeah. Wow. More people get trafficked, uh, from in the United States than get tetanus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But we all wow. get a tetanus shot. Yeah. Is that a real so, statistic? Oh yeah. Like the, the oh. odds of getting tetanus are super, super low. Oh. The tetanus shot exists mm-hmm. for like the outlier of all outlier situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. But that's a statistic. Wow. Pretty wild. Yeah. No, it is. It is pretty wild. But uh, anyway, it, 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 it's hard to wrap your brain around. Like I live in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. You, you can't tell me that human trafficking doesn't exist. You know, like they find trailers full of uh, people that are trafficked across the border, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like, and, and, and yeah. not all these people, it's, it's weird. The percentage of, of women and children, these are it's it's a lot of them and they all go to terrible places and, and terrible things happen to them and it's like where do they go like they're when not I in my was, house right yeah so when i was 
I was down there for recruiter school, and uh, there was like the Walmart next to like the hotel that we were in or whatever. And uh, I, I went there like to go get like Subway or something, and the whole Walmart was closed off. I was like, "What's going on?" And like I had to like look it up, and they there was a tractor trailer that was like in the Walmart parking lot, and it was just full of I think like thirty or forty something people. They were all dead too because they died in that, oh, in that shit, thing. Man. Got hot. And they just they found the they found the tractor, and it was just parked in front of Walmart in a like. And it was there for like days, weeks, who knows how, like, well, you know, like sitting there, you look at percentages of how much uh, of the drugs that we catch coming across the border versus how much gets across. So oh, the, the yeah. number of people that we catch getting trafficked versus the number that actually how comes many across. Actually get trafficked. And then like, yeah. where are the consumers? It's, it's either here or Canada. Like mm-hmm. they're not putting them on boats and shipping them overseas for the most part. Mm-hmm. So like there's a consumer somewhere. And so like, if you just math it out, there is a problem. And even if it's not as big of a problem as the movie portrays, like you said, like what's the worst that can happen? It gets down to zero. Yeah. Oh God, no, don't. Right. I, I sure hope, no, you know, like this, this human <laughs> trafficking number doesn't get down to zero. That would be terrible. Like, <laughs> exactly. Get fucked Rolling Stone. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's the, that's the only clip I'm going to use to advertise this episode. <laughs> just, get fucked, just get fucked. Rolling Stone. Yeah. It'll no, it's true. Daily man. posted reel. Well, and the Guardian. <laughs> and everybody and, else has said yeah, something like that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's all the same thing. Yeah. You guys got me all same old. entity. This is why I record in the morning. I'm way more mellow. Like when I first wake up and we record in the morning, you get me like later on at night and I'm just like. Dude, this is loose. the trend we want. We wanted the like the Wolverine that just woke up, the climbing out oh. of the the, you know. His hole. That's what I want to see. Three Red Bulls in the system. Dude, it, it's in a dip. And it's it's so hard not to make it personal. Cause like mm-hmm. you have kids, right? I have yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. Like if you come near my house or or if you're a shady looking person, you get around my kids, like there's 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 guns involved immediately. Yeah. Yep. Or or like it's it's just one of I those just, things. I just recently watched the movie, but I think it's prisoners as like Gerald Butler and uh uh, it's it's not draw. Is it drawable? I can't remember. It's with prisoners. Um, Jake. It's an older movie. It's like Jake Gyllenhaal, and he's like yeah. a cop, uh, and like the two Hugh Jackman, right? That's who it is. Yeah, Hugh Jackman, not not the other one. The other uh, Australian. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> their uh, their daughters get kidnapped, and like, yeah, that dad is like, he's going insane to find his kids and stuff. He like kidnaps a dude to like interrogate him to get the information, like. Yeah. Are you like, are you like, like leaving out the greatest dad going to rescue his kid movie ever with Liam Neeson? Is that what you're doing right now? We're not yeah. going to talk about well, that. Well, that's taken. But that right. one's a great one too. But I'm you saying. should watch Prisoners if you haven't. Prisoners is a good movie as well. But did you guys see that interview of the guy that used to be like a child molester or whatever it was? He was in prison, and he yeah. said the way that he targeted kids were were parents that didn't care or yeah. or or fathers not being around. Right. If he thought the like, father was a threat. Yeah. It's like, like it's good to know that I don't think that my kids are going to get targeted anytime soon. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm You're pretty open target. and honest about like I'm I'm going to murder you if you get near my kids. Like, you scratch yeah. my kid, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ballistic. So I will 100 percent go to jail for my children. You know, oh, that, even, who's even that dude some... that killed the dude with the hammer? For oh, like, a, what was that story? Like somebody, I think somebody like someone's daughter got raped or kidnapped or something. Mm-hmm. And that dad, like back in like the 80s, mm-hmm. like killed the dude with the hammer, and everybody's like. Psh, Good American. <laughs> well, I, I don't know which one you're talking about, but it's like the other one, that guy who um, went to the phone bank when they were bringing back the guy who molested yeah, his kid. Yeah, he turns and shoots him. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've seen that video? Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, let that yeah. guy go That's free, That's what I man. always think of. Commute that motherfucker's sentence and let him out, dude. Like, 
absolutely that's 100 the way i feel because if, yeah. if if you do that to, if you do that to my children like you know i get a hold of you that would be the last thing you you ever see yeah. or the last thing the, i ever do yeah speaking of the prison system how jacked up is that you guys want to talk about prisons? Well, a, Dude, I'm down to talk about literally anything, but yes. It's a, it's a money system. It is a yeah. money system. <laughs> Dude, well, did, did, how much does it blow your mind that we can we can convict someone of a felony, mm-hmm. send them to prison, let them out, and tell them that they still can't do things. They're not real American citizens anymore, even mm-hmm. though they served their debt to society. Yeah. But then we keep asking for payment forever, I think hoping that they mess up and just end back up in jail. Yeah. Like, it kind of defeats the purpose of of what what jail is supposed to be. It's supposed to be you know this learn your lesson, come out and be better kind of thing. You know, if you're not better, then mm-hmm. you're not better. But I agree with you completely. Yeah. And it is it's it's a system to keep people coming back in. Like there are literal towns in the United States that only exist because there is a jail, and those people work in those jails. And you got mm-hmm. sons and fathers and daughters and aunts and mothers. They all work at the same prison. And if that prison left, there would be no town. And that's fucking nuts. I had a question. Do you think uh, prisoners segregate themselves by race uh, on uh, like by themselves? Or do you think that the, uh, the prison administrators encourage that stuff? I would probably, I, I would feel like it's, it's yeah, that probably more. I mean, I'm sure that they, I'm sure that both happen, but I'm sure that it is encouraged. I feel like it's probably yeah. both. I was thinking about this the other day uh, because like, how do you I, control a population? Yeah. Segregate. Put them into groups. Yeah, you break them down into groups, make them yeah. fight against each other. There's always that tension there. But like, if all those prisoners decided to work together, mm-hmm. prisoners you, or Americans yeah. or ants, mm-hmm. you know, I'm making some connections here. That's right. Bugs like, life. You realize like the, those walls ain't going to hold all of them if mm-hmm. they all put all their brains together and decided to bust out of there. Well, because of the programming, when they go through the uh, metal detector in prison, they get the uh, segregation update. So they like automatically just go there. <laughs> For a second, <laughs> I thought you were going to make it. You know, I didn't know that was a joke until just now. Good job. It's, it's that sarcasm. It's just so dry. <laughs> you don't know what it is. <laughs> no, I, I, I think... I think that 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 has been the the MO for so many different organizations and people and dictators through throughout history, segregate and divide and conquer. It's divide and conquer. That's literally what it is. So I'm, I'm sure that probably is, is a conversation those people happen, have. I have a, I have a friend who works in corrections here in New York and he's, we've had conversations about like, like people he sees and kind of what goes on stuff in prisons. And he's told me that like the part of like the in doc, like process like when a new person comes in mm-hmm. they tell them to like choose a group for survival right because they they literally mm. tell the individual like i we yeah you're in a prison stuff but like it can get pretty rowdy in here or whatever and i we can't protect you at all times so you you should probably join a group you shouldn't be an individual <laughs> like, like they tell them that you want like, a swastika tattoo right now or do you want to wait till you get in there to get one because like we, got, we could we, we could got hook Steve you up around the corner yeah, yeah. yeah. well <laughs> l- let me help you out brother you know like what i'm not a white supremacist it's like you are now yeah you, you are, are now you ever luck. Seen, skin looks white to me <laughs> you ever seen shameless that show shameless no dude there's it's so fucked up you gotta watch it i'm serious like you would enjoy it but uh basically this kid is gonna go to juvie and his mom is like, you're going to, he's, he's such a pussy. He's going to get fucked up in there. And so literally before he goes to jail, she tattoos all this white supremacy shit on her kid to send him to jail. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, somebody, he's going to need a group basically. And it's just, it's so, that show's so terrible, but it's oh amazing at the same time. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's the truth. It's the truth. You ever seen it, Zach? 
You never seen Shameless? No, I've never seen it. I've never seen Shameless. You got. You have to. It's oh it's good. Goodness. But yeah, no, that's a winning pair moment. That's I mean, a mom who cares. Yeah, when you watch the show, it all makes sense. You know what I mean? But um, you were speaking of the number one podcast in the world. Uh, he just recently had on a dude that was in jail for thirty years, Bruce Bryan. Did you listen to that? Yeah, yeah. He did. So Zach, if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, this, I don't. Guy, this guy Bruce Bryan, he was in jail for thirty years for a crime that he he didn't commit. And that's what I was just about to assume yeah. that he was like wrongfully put in there, right? Yeah. And I, dude. I'll be honest with you, man. Like I've not spent a ton of time looking into the prison systems and like what's wrong with them other than like a very superficial knowledge base, but listening to him talk about just the shit that goes on in those places. And then, so he, the guy came out, I want to say he has a doctorate, doesn't he? He's got a bunch of degrees or something. Yeah. Yeah, Like he's well-read and educated now. Very, very educated, you know, um, basically, you know, used his time in jail to his advantage basically. But listening to him talk about the prison systems and listening to him talk about just the way the system is rigged against some of these guys and these people, it's, it's fucking crazy, man. It, it, it is 100% of business and they are the, uh, you know, the chaff the essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would, I would, it's, it's hard to listen to like some of these like uh city government officials and mm-hmm. state government officials tell us about how racism is a problem. And like, I'm a problem when you look at like what they're doing, Right. And it's like, am I the problem? Because I'm not the one locking people up at a disproportionate rate. Like, I'm not doing all these things. Like, you guys are the ones doing all these things. So, like, like the the prison systems are super messed up. And, like, it's like the the the, the things that the, the district attorneys are allowed to get away with and not go to jail is criminal. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and how hard it is to overturn. Uh, a, a sentence or to get things looked at again in these states is, is ridiculous. Um, so like I'm, it's, it's a weird place to be in like being like kind of a free thinker is hard in this country. Cause you can be like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of for the death penalty. Obviously uh-huh. if you touch my kids, you're, you're getting the death penalty. Um, but also like we will, we lock up way too many people for stupid stuff. Like they're not actually getting a jury of their peers and we're uh-huh. keeping people in prison for like way too long for like nonviolent crimes. Right. Uh-huh. And then, you know, like, and, and it's just like this money machine. And like, you can go on these websites uh, that, and then see like all these things that prisons make, you know, have you ever been on those? Like uh, the, I forget what it's called, but like you look up your state's correctional facility websites and okay. there's going to be a website that pops up where it's like state um, and government and schools and nonprofits or whoever can like buy tables and chairs and all these other things that prisoners make for like a discount. And you're yeah. like, Holy crap. There's like businesses on top of businesses on top of businesses mm-hmm. that are built upon this permanent prison population and most of these people were not violent offenders when they got there yeah and and then we just put them in this situation it's just like it, it's it's a messed up situation so like it's weird to be like hey like i'm a i'm a constitutionalist but i'm also like i'm with the innocence project and people want to put everybody in like these binary things like oh like you must be like a conservative or republican or whatever uh-huh. i'm like no like i i believe in the rule of law like i believe right. that we should be treated as individuals. I, I think that people should mm-hmm. get due process and all these other things. Also don't try to take Likewise. my guns away, you know, right. like, cause that's what it says in the, the little book that I have, you know, that says I'm supposed to support and defend. So it's a, it's a weird thing. And, and one of the weird things about that too, is like Kim Kardashian who really tried to get prison reform pushed through. Uh-huh. It's like, you can hate that, that chick all you want, but she was right in that yeah. instance. 
Well, it's again, like we said, like leadership can come from anywhere. Like the right thing can come from anybody too. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's not about, that's what they try to do immediately. When somebody says something or does something, even if it's right, they attack the the person instead of the yep. idea and the hope that you tear the idea down by attacking the person. And yeah. so it's like you said, like free thinking, I, I really try to be that guy that doesn't care where it comes from. If I agree with it, then that's okay with me. You know what I mean? So yeah, and we, Dude, it's, it's, fun- it's really hard when it's like Jocko or Goggins, though, because I'm just like, ugh. They, they, these like, guys. I agree with you, but shut up. Yeah, I'm tired stop, of it. I'm, I've heard you say stay hard five times this conversation. I get oh it. <laughs> stop. I don't want to watch you run. And Jocko, everything doesn't have to be in black and white. We get it. it you look it like is. an ogre. It's his stop. only filter, man. But Trent, who's and carrying said, the boats? I said, good. <laughs> and, I, you know, I was with my SEAL team. Some guy said he was having a hard day. Good. I'm like, yeah, dude, like, I love the message. I really do. But, like, yeah. I can't stand the person. But yeah. I'm not going to, like, tell people don't listen to Jocko. If they're like, oh, you listen to Jocko? I'm like, no. But he yeah. does a lot of good out there. He does. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. Good. Well, I woke we up with it. diarrhea and shit at my hotel bed. Good. Good. I had the opportunity to be better at laundry. <laughs> and I'm thankful. Do you want to? Yeah. So the, gave the cleaning lady opportunity to earn her paycheck. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Good. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome for my service. That's right. Remember this day forever. <laughs> Type <will>. two fun. <laughs> Dude, so um, you were talking about like prisons building shit. Um, when I was in Montana, we worked in the weapon storage area, and one of the facilities down there has furniture. Just put it that way. And um, because it's cops, that furniture gets broken all the fucking time. And we, you know, we'd given like two or three ultimatums. Don't do this. Or we're going to stop like providing you with a new couch or whatever the fuck. And um, finally, somebody put their money where their mouth was and then purchased uh, steel furniture made at the Montana State Prison. And that's what we had. It, dude, it was like legitimately like you cannot break this. You, you cannot break this. And uh, it's just funny that you say that because I've literally seen <laughs> furniture in person that they make in jail. I've sat on it. It's uncomfortable. But like, guys, make this prisoner and proof. security forces proof. They're like, we got you. We it's got true. you, fam. How ironic is that that I the prisoners are making cops, cops' cops' furniture? You know what I mean? There's something <laughs> fucked about that. Like a little bit. There's got to be, you know? Yeah. It's like ironic. That's what I'm saying. Like. <laughs> If you only knew who's sitting on this really cold, hard fucking stool outside Montana, then you you might appreciate it a little bit more, you know. But yeah, I still have a feeling though a defender broke one of those things at some point. Like if they did, it was after they, I left, man. There's like this old they joke. Had you put, to have. Yeah, you put a defend. You put defenders in a room with three bowling balls. Uh, one a bowling ball will go missing, one will get broken, and the other one will get pregnant somehow. You know, and it's just like <laughs> that's. It's so it's true. Thirteen years later, and that's that's a true statement. So, at my first duty station, the, uh, the security forces had like the newest dorms, mm-hmm. and like it was it was that was the joke is like they have the newest Last dorms the and they're in the worst shape, you know. Like <laughs> yeah. all of us weather nerds were like in the oldest dorms, and it was like right. clean and like you know like everybody's like, oh, your dorms yeah. are so nice, Good. you know. Like yeah, we'd go over to like the security <laughs> forces guys and visit some friends over there, and it's just like yeah. what what did you guys do in here? Like, yeah. I got off shift and decided to kick a hole in the wall and right. Man, wrestling. Yeah, dude. I, I, I tell you what, <laughs> I've had some pretty epic fights though on some of that furniture. Just saying. Nice. Go back to the <laughs> go back to the prisoner stuff real quick. Um, it goes like all the way up and down though. Like it even goes. It goes all the way. It's, it's an issue that goes all the way down to just like the normal like ragtag you know on the street cops too. Because I had a. 
I had an applicant, and it's not all of them, but like I had an applicant who had like a DOI, and so we had to like uh, submit a morals waiver and a whole bunch of stuff to try to get him into the Air Force. He eventually did get into the Air Force, but he uh, uh, he lost his license and stuff, and where he lived was like super far outside of town, so he had like a long trip to like get anywhere, or, like to get to his job or whatever, and it was almost like clockwork. The cops like knew that he didn't have a license. So they would like sit at the same place waiting for him to roll by in his car, knowing he would be there, whoop, whoop. knowing <laughs> that they would write him a ticket. Yeah. And then they would get their little tax money for, I guess, the month or something like that. And it's – I know like 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 oh, cops have quotas or whatever and some departments do. Some departments have quotas. I know like in security forces, it's always kind of funny. It's, uh, it's like your enlisted performance review. Like you need crime to be happening for you to look like you're a good cop, mm-hmm. because if no crime is happening, then you're a horrible cop. But that it's like no, that means policing is working because there's no crime. Like that's what you want it to be. Nah, looks like you're lazy, bro. What have you been doing? Yeah, exactly. But, but on my Dude, phone for nine nine hours and forty five minutes. What do you mean we've been doing? That's the same thing with squadron <laughs> commanders, though, right? Like I've always said, like there should be a way to like inherit a squadron as a commander that's mm-hmm. high performing and doing well. And just be like, I did nothing because it was working and like still yeah. get promoted. Like, do you know what I yeah. did? I came in there and I didn't mess with anything because I walked in and I'm like, hey, looks like you guys got it. Right. All right, let me know if you need anything instead of being like, yeah. uh, new captain in charge, you know, like I'm going to steer the ship in the right direction. I have a lot of great ideas. And I was just like, oh, why? Dude. Like we're doing we're doing fine. We don't have any issues. What's, Can you just yep. chill? It's like, no, yep. what's we're going to fix this. What's funny with security forces is it's like. It's like a double-edged sword. If you go out there and like find, because you, you could find whatever you want. I could go find someone breaking the law at any moment, really. And if I go out there and I just constantly find it, then eventually you get to a point to where like the commander's like, hey, you're making the Air Force look bad. You're making the Fairchild like team look bad. So now stop patrolling. That's happened before. Yeah. Like when I was at Fairchild Air Force Base, they were there was like a big influx where we had a lot of DUIs like back to back to back and they were like off base. So the base commander is like, okay, we're going to like super push like alcohol wands at the gates, like all this type of stuff. And guess what happened? Catching of DUIs skyrocketed because we were being, we're like looking for more. Mm-hmm. And then the commander's like, uh, I don't like that. So he just canned it. Like he was like, you can't do those anymore because now it looks like every airman's drunk driving around on base. It's like, well, if oh. we look for it, we're going to find it. Dude, like- <laughs> I, I have the perfect example for this, Zach, and you'll remember this, okay? So Zach and I were deployed to a, an African country at one point together. And um, there just so happens – great place. Yeah, it is a great place. There just so happens to be a, um officer's mess that belongs to the host nation army oh. right outside the camp. Yes. Okay? And every night, oh. pretty much, uh, some O's would come through the gate on their uh, ATVs intoxicated. And, you know, my airman would be like, cause I was the flight chief. My airman would be like, Hey, Sergeant Gresham, these guys are drunk. What do you want us to do? I've never been in this situation before deployed. And I'm like, what well, we're going to do? What the fuck we would do back at home, pinky. You know what I mean? Like arrest them. Arrest them. Yeah. <laughs> and I got stopped from doing anything like that. And then got, you know, my ass chewed one night about it. 
and then I and didn't, and then I didn't let it go. Laws. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so there were DUIs practically every night on this small camp in this African country. And yeah. And it's just like, how can you tell me not imagine, to do my job? Imagine telling like cops, like, okay, so you're, you're a cop and you enforce the UCMJ and then you tell them the UCMJ is enforceable 24 seven everywhere, Yeah, but mm-hmm. not on this camp. To these people like what <laughs> it's creating sense. problems you know like we, we exactly. can't replace these people and like you know we can barely get flights them? in here to begin mm-hmm. with do they and, like, exactly. just find them? Like, the, the folks in germany <laughs> don't even work weekends like they don't answer the phones and they don't care that we're down here on nope. the continent the closest so, the closest it, it sounds like you've been here before we're having a hard time getting food in here guys like stop arresting it, people exactly please. it sounds like you've been know, to the same place Trent. i know for sure it's like <laughs> can you can we, a hard time getting can you guys food. even do blood tests here if you can't then you can't prove that they're drunk so that why even bother? literally got said to me that literally got said to me and dude, i were- I remember that. Yeah. Like I said to you, mm-hmm. and then like I was talking to the, it was cap, it was the captain. Yep. Like, say, his say his name. Say his name. No, captain don't say his name. No. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> gotta point that out. <laughs> but so there's the there's the captain, and he was like saying that well we don't have like a thing we can't do it, and I was like, you can HGN them. I am HGN certified. That gets you like within like a minute percent of them being intoxicated and mm-hmm. it's fully admissible in court. If I HGN them because I'm certified, you don't need their blood. You don't need like anything that yeah. counts. Guess if what? You're, like, you're decertified in Africa now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Have did a good take, rotation, bro. Yeah. Did you have the, did you take the African horizontal gaze nystagmus test? Probably not. You're below, not. you're below the equator. So vertical is now horizontal and horizontal is now vertical. Oh. I, I bet if I asked Jerogi though, he could like certify me. <laughs> exactly. No. Can we talk about like the waivers though? Like, I think you were talking about a waiver to get someone in the Air Force. Like, when did yeah. we stop taking like the broken toys of America into the military? When do you we know stop? I mean? did we stop? Like, what's like, the it low seems point? Like it's so hard to get people in these days because if you have anything on your record, if you took ADHD medication, if you've ever done drugs, if you've said certain things on the internet. If, you know, now that all medical records are digitized, if you've ever broken a bone, like we're like making it harder than it has to be to get here. Where in the good old days, it was like, hey, uh, you can go to jail or you can join the army. And people would be yeah. like, I'm going to join the army. And they yeah. just like, hey, good luck. Do what we tell you. Otherwise, we're going to punch you in the face until you do what we tell you. And you got <laughs> two or three years here. And yeah. that's the military. And now we're like, no, we're like these like morally or pious people or whatever and we Uh can't accept people that like are outside of societal norms it's like no 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 the military is like i don't want to say the drugs of society but we're like the outskirts we are outside the norm yeah yeah we're not all officers like if you Uh want to hold officers to like that (laughs) standard that's fine (laughs) yeah good good. like they're supposed to be like holier than thou and above everything and all that other stuff us enlisted folks like stop going to like if you're recruiting Go to the poorest places. Go find the people that are sitting on the outside of the building during this like jujitsu match that you're watching. Those are the people that you want to join. Those are the people that are going to join. The ones out there smoking stuff that they're not supposed to smoke. Not the people that are actually accomplishing things on the civilian side. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like, uh, Zach, come on, man. What was the question? (laughs) No, it's just like, what, what, at what point? No, like the Air Force and the military in general has made it harder for people to join, right? At the same time, you know, they're, yeah. they're talking about like lowering. I saw today, like they're considering, you know, lowering again the the cannabis thing, you know, for people smoked before, prior to coming in. Like, what at what point? What's 
What's what's too low of a bar? I guess I think is I'm what, confused Trey, what, what you mean, is like asking. lowering. So the lowering the cannabis thing, I don't know what you mean by that because you could smoke weed like literally the day of like your initial appointment in my office, and I can still put you in in forty five days. Like it's not a problem. There's yeah, some like, like convictions. Yeah, there's like oh, medical stuff okay. and convictions and like yeah. all these other things, and it's it just seems like there's so many roadblocks to get in now. Where it's like it used to be like, hey, so, join and see if it works. Mm-hmm. So there are there are a lot of roadblocks, but in my three years of recruiting, I actually very rarely ever ran into roadblocks that were uh, that I guess were controlled by the applicant. That makes sense. So like. Um, most of the stuff that like we ran into was when like Genesis, you're talking about like medical records check, it's yeah. called Genesis. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. It's, it's uh-huh. an interesting system too. It's actually really annoying because and it's not annoying because it catches things. It's annoying because it causes like the, the way the policies were in, it just becomes like a really like back and forth redundancy thing with like uh, the doctors. So give me an example, according to the Doty. So there's a Doty we follow. Um, that's all for medical clearances and it's very specific and it's like uh, all the branches like it's not like like the Air Force can restrict it a little bit or whatever or like the Marines can restrict it a little bit more but like this is just an overall doty for like medical stuff and the doty will say if an individual had a surgery like more than six years ago and doesn't hasn't suffered any complications since then it doesn't matter you don't need medical records you don't need like a follow-up. Nothing matters. They can just join. But what happens is it gets hit in Genesis or you put it on the form for it. And then uh, they're like, oh, we want all the documents. So it's one yeah. maps doesn't follow the Doty. Like they don't, they don't follow the reg that they're supposed to be following. It's really annoying, but I don't know. It's because the military is also a business, I guess. So, um, we are terrible at it because we lose all kinds of money. We do. Yeah, but they're still trying to like not lose money. So the, the big thing, <laughs> the big thing, they're trying. They're not succeeding. They're trying. Yeah, okay. So, so you're talking like the, a recruiter right now. Yeah, I am. the The issue is so the whole like Genesis and like the whole medical stuff and like even waivers or whatever is the military doesn't want to bring people who are already broken in. So they made it harder for them to get in because they don't want to have to pay for them after they get out, like medically retired or whatever. Well, because doctors are but, so afraid to tell people just to suck it up and go back to work. Like we retire, yeah. we medically retire people out of basic training now. Like, yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yes, it is. Like, I, I can't I, go I had, see a doctor I because one. I have lines of A one Cs trying to get out of the Air Force. That's I fucking nuts, had, man. I had one get medically retired from my BMT. Uh, he did not know he had a heart murmur That's and different. then he was like running and had like a heart attack from his heart murmur and they retired him. They retired him. He like gets E3 pay for like the rest of his life because <laughs> it was considered like an air force induced heart murmur or something. I don't know exactly. I'm still friends with him and he gets E3 pay for the rest of his life. <laughs> that doesn't add up to me. Just saying. Weird, isn't it? It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I should probably get going here pretty soon since it's like 1130 and my family probably wants to go to bed. No, I feel you. Yeah. Zach yeah. is, it's even later where Zach is at. So it is. Zach, you married with kids it's, too? Sorry, I didn't even ask you. I'm a rude person. That's true. I, I was going to cry after this, but now I'm not because you, you 
you noticed it. Um, no, the uh, I am married, but I do not have kids. No. no. I have a cat named Kuma. If you but call it your fur it. baby, I will if, never speak to I you don't. again. I do okay. not. I hate, I hate those kind of people. <laughs> like, to be fair. It is a, it is be, a cat. <laughs> before people have kids, I tell them to get a puppy. Because I'm like, that will teach you a lot of valuable lessons about what it's like to have a baby. Even sure. though it's not the same thing. But if you call it your baby, we're not going to be friends ever again. No. People that I've seen people be like, happy Mother's Day to me. And then it's pictures of them and their dog. It's like, I, I really want to write something mean on this 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 Instagram photo right now, but I'm not going to. You if know? you're a dog's mom, that makes you a... <laughs> there. See, that's that's better than what I was going to say. So I might do that next year on in May for Mother's Day. So Happy Mother's right, Day man. to all the yeah. people out there. <laughs> Actually, I did write. When I wrote mother, the Mother's Day post for our page, I was like, happy birthday to you know all the moms out there, not you for moms. Like, yeah, because you that. need to fucking know that you're not a mom. If all you have yeah. is I a wish dog. I could. I wish I could like that part of it I did. Yeah. I liked it so much. <laughs> exactly. The love react is enough. <laughs> well, Trent, thank you yeah. for coming on with us and talking. Uh, I know we're weird people, but we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it, you, you seem it. like an odd one too, and I, I like it. So uh, hopefully maybe one, one day I can sit down with you and have a conversation in person. But uh, yeah, if you move cool. out of California, like we'll meet up. I'm trying. Yeah, don't have, don't come here. <laughs> yeah, we could be friends when you. We, no, we could be friends when don't. you move back to the United States. Yeah. Don't come yeah. to New York either. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, but, uh, cool. Come to Texas or Florida. That's uh, those are the places I visit. Yeah, and America and America yeah. too. Yep. I will. I will be living in the Destin area one day. So Crab Island yeah. all day. Absolutely. Well, we'll just put up the bat signal when you get there, and we'll all come visit. I got it. Cool. All right. All right. You guys Thank- have a good night. Thanks for having me on, fellas. I really appreciate it. No doubt. Thanks, everyone, for listening.